Hello and welcome to episode 173 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, my name's Aaron, and each week I'm joined by my best buddy James. I'm just trying to come up with something you know, specific for this one, I got nothing. Live from the Shire, Lincolnshire, this go. is Sorry You're In My Seat, and after 170 plus episodes... We are finally getting round to the big one, one of the greatest trilogies of all time, one of the most beloved tales, an epic quest, an action-adventure storyline about a little hobbit and his fascination with a ring, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one. Years in the making, so I received a message this week going, have you done three animation episodes you haven't done a Lord of the Rings episode? I told them to bide their time. Wait. Listeners out there have been screaming for this one. It's finally here. I hope we can do it justice. Mm. I mean, we won't. <laughs> well, yeah, we, you know, we do. We can but try. We can but try. In, in our little podcast that could. Yes, each week we get around the mics. Each week we take on a different movie topic or theme, and this one is the big one. It's Lord of the Rings. But we've done other things. We've done directors. We've done actors. We've done animation specials, documentaries, all sorts of stuff. Go back, find them out. Subscribe. New episode each and every week. This episode is dedicated to two lovely listeners and friends of the show. Dave Donaldson and Remy Green, who I know have been waiting for this episode, and particularly Dave has reached out to be on this episode really sorry it's just timelines it's kids it's children it's work it's covid it's christmas it's all that stuff mm. and we've just had to squeeze in this little bit of time on this wednesday evening to get this recorded but this is dedicated to you guys and everyone who listens to this show so thank you so much i don't know where to start <laughs> well I, th- I guess the first thing we've got to start is this is gonna be a long one so you know prepare yourself is think of it as sorry you might see the extended edition <laughs> and what? we have scheduled a pizza for in about an hour and a half so if we are still going we will be breaking for pizza at some point (laughs) Um, and you know there's one thing to remember we're not scholars we're not like dipped in this we're gonna probably mispronounce the name we're probably gonna get a fact wrong or two i've gone on the internet to do a bit research and as you know the internet mate is full of porn and mistakes (laughs) so often at the same time often at the same time yeah that's true i mean we've we've taken on some big topics like you know your star treks your star wars and such and um you do always get that listener who writes in and says, oh, you mispronounced this or you got that wrong. And you're right, 100%. This is the one, I think I've said this before, and I think <laughs> it was about the Star Trek episode. Yeah. But now, this is the one I fear the most. This is the one I fear the most because um, that you get a fan base, a rabid fan base. And this one's been going since, you know, this book was written. And this was, you know, just, this was a long time ago. This was, this has been seeped in history. This uh, book that these films are based on, defined a genre you don't get many of them you do not get a book that defined the modern day fantasy genre so we are gonna do something wrong and you know that's the thing about opinions mate just because i'd love to hear a different opinion that's not let's remember one thing let's not be orcs yeah right let's be mediators let's be let's be gandalfs yeah and and you're right i mean you talk about the source material of that which we're going to get into in a short while um, you know, one could argue, well, it's easy to adapt from a source material that's so good, but no, it required at the helm of this, a director that could piece together multiple storylines, complex characters, motivation, uh, sorry, motivated characters in a huge quest. A, huge. I mean, what is it like over nine hours of material? And that's not even the extended cuts. I was going to say, I saw, I saw the extended cut, so I'm going on double digits. Uh, and I'd like to point out as well that and the director had to cut some things out. So a lot of the, a lot of the, the cutback was there's a lot of characters missing from the originals. You know, there's a lot of storylines that don't go anywhere. Yeah, because he had to. He had to make an audience for the wider world. You know, times change since mm. the book was written. Let's, let's, let's remember, we're not orcs. We Gandalfs. Let's remember that throughout. That be our motto. Let's not argue. So let, let's, do, before we go into the movies and stuff, these came out 20 years ago. So this episode will air 
around about the date. So normally, what was it like? The, the 17th, 18th of normally, December. Yeah. Um, but 2001, this movie came out. And then the subsequent years in 2002, 2003 came the, the follow-ups and the sequels of the trilogy. Um, did you go to the cinema to watch these movies? I did. I went with my dad. And so I've got fond memories of being a pact. I remember pact. I remember one of my fondest memories. I don't want to go too far ahead of myself. We were in a cinema. They're in, a, they're in the, the mine and Mary knocks the suit of honor and it falls down the well. Yeah. And the cinema was silent. And my, scene. and my dad just went, I'll get my coat. And the cinema rubbed a bit laughter. <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, it was, it was, I remember them very vividly. I remember really early Sunday morning. I'd just woken up and realized I only had like 40 minutes to get to the cinema. <laughs> Loved them. Big screen, made for the big screen. These were oh, delightful, delicious. Yeah. In fact, on that, on that, Big screening. You need to watch these with people as well, I find. Because mm. you get that sense of camaraderie. 2001 was a weird year. You know, obviously going into the millennium, you know, it was a weird time for cinema and film, you know, with uh, visual effects kind of emerging. We had some pioneer movies, you know, just before this, you figure things like The Matrix, Jurassic Park, obviously Alien. Um, you know, you had loads of films that were pushing the boundaries in filmmaking, but certainly Lord of the Rings kind of set the pace then for everything to come after for years as well. There's, there's films that come out now that's nowhere near Lord of the Rings. Well, you, yeah. And, and Lord of the Rings has become a descriptive now. You're like, Oh, that's very Lord of the Rings. Yeah, now. exactly. You know, it's yeah. always become the, the, um, the mantle to which other movies aspire. And going back to 2001, I remember seeing this at the cinema. I would have been early teens and it was one of the first memories from my history that I can remember pack cinema, beloved people like going in to, to see something that, you know, they waited for on the big screen. We'd obviously had like radio adaptations, TV, um, TV versions. Yeah, the animated one was yeah. like really big in the seventies, I think. Lord of the Rings had been enlaced in, in other works of art, you know, Zeppelin wrote songs about Lord of the Rings, you know, it was yeah. a big thing. Um, but it was, I mean, that being said, I also do remember a pack cinema for Batman and Robin, but you know, it's, <laughs> everyone's got that. Though. Yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln had a small cinema at the time and not many screens, you know, but this was, I remember being sat in the audience and going, wow, people turned up for this film. I, uh, I don't even remember. The thing was, is I don't even remember like hearing about the film. I just remember going to the cinema to see Lord of the Rings. I don't remember massive hype about it. I'll tell you what did amaze me though. A year later, booking tickets to see the two towers thinking, but I saw the film last year. It was it was the one time I very remember. And I wasn't that young, but the fact they made all three movies together mm. and then they used that year to kind of like just spruce up everything. Like So I I thought that was amazing. Like I couldn't get my head around the fact that was, I'm seeing the sequel to a film I saw last year that was like big budget. They're doing it now. It's all in one go, mate. Mm. That's amazing. And I always remember a note that I read about Peter Jackson, the director of all three, was he said he won the Oscar for Return of the King and he's the only film he knows that won an award for best picture and he's still editing it after it come out and he'd won the award. I thought it was brilliant because he obviously wanted to do extra, extra things for the fans. And that's what the extended editions are. They were, they were for the fans. Mm. So, um, I, I think 2001, going back to that, that, that time in cinema, you think, well, that time in the world, you, you know, it is dark weird, time right? in history. Yeah. You know, we obviously got terrorist attacks. Ross and Rachel didn't know what they were doing. Scorpion <sighs> King was about to come out. And let's be if honest. It was a dark time. <laughs> and, let, and let's be honest. If we're going to talk visual effects, which is a key part of these movies, let's have the barometer as Scorpion King, all right, for what's about to come. Let's see what money could actually get you <laughs> at that time. But Peter Jackson... It's sort of a massive gamble, though. You're making all three films. They're expensive films as well. Like, a biggish cast. And you're just thinking, like, Peter Jackson must have had, like, blackmail material. Yeah. Well, it turns out that he might have done because I think certain people that you don't like were producers behind this. But still... 
he, they had such a risk. It was a risk taker because fantasies, I don't know about you, but the fantasy genre as well has never been one to get people in the seats. Like Willow was an all right film, but no one's talking masterpiece when you say legend, mate. People aren't sat around going masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Legend did not pull in a crowd. And I'm just honest. saying that film ends in the most spectacular way ever. The it devil, does. the devil gets blasted in space with unicorn. <laughs> does by Tom Cruise. If I ever met Tom Cruise, that would be the first question I ask him. He wouldn't see it coming. He'd no. be blindsided. He'd be, he'd be preparing to answer a question about like Scientology or like the fucking Mission Impossible 9. But you'd be like, Le- legend. Yeah. Oh, a connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to have that conversation. <laughs> what, what would the question, why? <laughs> Dude, I was young. I was, I was a young elf. Mm. It's like, well, they're not making Lord of the Rings. Look at it. Well, I like to think that legend exists in a world of Lord of the Rings as well. It's just, you know, another part <laughs> of Middle-earth. It's the fucking B-side story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, let's let's kind of set some scene before we go into some of the movies, go into some facts, go into our favourite characters, go into all that kind of stuff. Settle in. This is Lord of the Rings territory. So um, we'll do our best. But as always... Charm, cheer, our usual uh, approach to podcasts, unscripted, just film talk. Mm. Um, so where to start? Lord of the Rings is one of cinema's most beloved trilogies. The fantasy adventure series was adapted from the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. They hit our screens 20 years ago in 2001, stunning fans, pleasing critics, and sweeping the awards, something that we're going to talk about, but 17 Academy Awards out of 30 nominations, over 450 awards across different um, platforms. I mean, what an achievement in a trilogy. Yeah. Favourite trilogy ever? It's hard because I always love a trilogy. Then they always come back and they they make an arsehole of it. And it always, to me, kind of affects it. But I'll tell you what I did do this week. When I, well, last week, when I rewatched Lord of the Rings, I did fall in love again. So do you want maybe? I mean, it's going to be up there. Mine's always going to be the original Star Wars trilogy. That's what it would... That's what it's up against. Or your Indiana Jones, Jones which is one that... Knocking off the fourth one, yeah. Yeah, so that's what... I'm still going to go... Back, back I'm gonna to the go future, back. I suppose. The third one drops the ball. Yeah. It probably is, isn't it? It's probably for, for, it, it's the best trilogy. I will say I would easily say it is it's maybe the best made trilogy in terms of not dropping the ball, keeping the pace, keeping the momentum, the story, the action, everything. It probably is the most well crafted. And it's because it was filmed yeah. in its entirety rather than coming back to it two years later or whatever it may be. Do I guess that. But Star Wars is my favourite just on a personal level because it used to Star Wars. It's but, the thing you fell in love with. Yeah, but Lord of the Rings is probably the best made trilogy. I Most consistently paced as well, which again, because it was made back to back. So I suppose the question is, how does it hold up two decades later and after 170 episodes, we're finally going to take a look back and see. First published in 1954, Lord of the Rings it, um, uh, is in short, epic. Set in Middle <laughs> Earth, the book and story started out as a sequel to Tolkien's 1937 book, The Hobbit before becoming a much larger series uh, and one of the best-selling books ever written. I think something like 150 million copies sold worldwide. I remember about uh, 15 years ago, BBC did uh, Best Book and mm. they won it. I remember a lot of people loving this. A lot of people were inspired by this book, a lot of fantasy writers. Mm. They, they read this, fell in love. It's the world that you can create. It's limitless. It, the limit is literally what you can write in a piece of paper. I mean, Tolkien went on to, I know a lot of his published work came after his death because his son took up the estate and saw all these things yeah, and published yeah, a lot. That. But it's like the Simillion, which yeah, is like it. which is like the stories of the first age because this, uh, the Lord of the Rings takes place in the third age. It, it, the stories from like, every, there's so much going on. There's, mm. it's, it's so vast. He, he created like literal languages for the elves. They became an actual thing. Uh, Inspires it because I don't know if you you know the when you see Elvish writing you see that in a lot of other films and worlds now it's it's Elvish writing Tolkien mm. created Elvish writing now you live with it 
it's I remember working in a I was working in a cafe actually one of my first jobs and I remember someone walking in with the his son's kind of published work what was it called again the Sumerian I believe is the, the like the third yeah. one, which is kind of like tales that it wraps up Lord of the Rings wraps up some of the characters that they don't wrap up in Lord of the Rings so you find out certain things but also tell a story about the like Sauron's boss oh, yeah. that type of thing. And he was bad, man. Yeah, he's, he uh, was bad. I've been reading around it. The books, the Lord of the Rings was intended to be, as I said, a, a, a continuation of The Hobbit. Then it was going to be two books and then publishers at the time convinced to take uh, three books, but two parts per book. I was so going to say it's like six, six books, volumes. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the story title focuses on the Dark Lord, Sauron, who created a ring to rule all uh, over all of the rings given to men, dwarfs, and elves. After Sauron is defeated, his ring, which harbors his evil will, is lost, only to be found thousands of years later left in the hands of a humble, harmless hobbit. With Sauron's potential return looming, the story follows an epic quest to destroy the ring by throwing it into the pit of Mordor. Mm, it was simple. Easy. On e- paper, mate. Easy, mate. Half a day. <laughs> Half a day at most. If you had an eagle, you could probably fly there in an evening. Mate, if you had Uber Plus, you'd definitely be guaranteed. <laughs> so, Peter... If only Mordor was so fucking far away. <laughs> Peter Jackson, with a mere 280 million, did the unthinkable. <laughs> As we've already said, Alien, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, uh, we're all pushing the cinematic boundaries, but Lord of the Rings masterfully uh, blended visual effects, prosthetic, stop motion, um, brought in hundreds of architects and 26,000 extras to build a blueprint for for all future films, essentially. Uh, This is pre-Avatar, pre-Marvel, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and it is heart and core is a simple, solid storyline full of battles, dangers, good versus evil, and rooting for underdogs. Yeah. Uh, basically a display of heroic deeds as well. That You know, by the 2000s, we wanted a dark hero. You know, we, we, we loved a bit of badness. Mm. We liked our heroes with an edge. But it turns out we didn't. We just liked a simple simple farmer, mate, and his master. But we still don't know what he does. Tax dodger. <laughs> I, I think on the scheme of things, like you say, in, in a world that where, you know, now we are saturated with superheroes and people with uh, insane abilities... You know, I, what, at the core of this is the is is the underdog, is the John yeah. McClane, the person who doesn't want to do it, but kind of gets frustrated upon a situation where, oh, oh, okay, then and relent, you know, kind of resentful, but knows it's the right thing to do, and mm. that is the character that you then associate to, because we are not, believe it or not, James, we're not wizards. What? <laughs> How dare you tell me <laughs> like this? We're not dwarfs or elves or or, or fighters. That we could are be a giant. Maybe. <laughs> At our core, we are hobbits. And so it's fun and it's engaging to follow in the footsteps, the big hairy footsteps of go. a hobbit. I'd like to point out as well that you mentioned it then. I didn't really think about it until you mentioned it. Is is the one thing that we always say, we always say, you know the set, they dress up a set so well, but they don't. They create a world with architecture. Like I remember in the third film, you go to Minas Tirith. What a city that looks yeah. like. And not only are they CGI, but they also make these scale models mm. so that when the battle comes and they break them down, you can actually watch it. Oh, mate, everything was fucking perfection. Revisiting them over the last week, I love the blend. That is one of my favourite things about this franchise is blending the the painstaking prosthetics of, of, of orcs yeah. with visual effects of Ents, with... Um, with stop motion scenes and as you say miniaturized models that are blowing up and, and it's just a, a glorious blend of all of these things the one thing you can never get right is blue screen now no. <laughs> because because the, the blue screen scenes they're, they're, they're terrible but you know what they get everything else it's, 10 on 10 so fuck it and they are the these are these are the pioneers isn't it you mm. know the, you cannot I don't think them. you'll ever get green screen right now <laughs> some people had to so, some had to go first and set the way and, and Lord of the Rings in many ways was that but I think for the most part, one 
where I am now, uh, where I am in terms of loving film and maybe watching films with more of a kind of, I don't know, seeing beyond just the story and actually appreciating the filmmaking. I do think that now when I watch them, I'm taking out of the storyline a little bit because I'm just in awe of the filmmaking process. Mm. It's that whereas maybe when I was a teenager first watching these movies, I was in there. I was walking every step of that journey and, you know, was was hiding under trees when when the hobbits were and, you know, was tired and fatigued by that last movie because it was this epic quest. And I do now when I watch it, I am taken out because I'm like, that's really cool how they've done that. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think one of the hardest things that when I rewatched it, I was always scared. Of all the characters in it, the Nazgul always terrified me because they were nothing. They were mm. literally, but the book descriptions of them just being hooded figures, when I saw them on the big screen, it was so much more than I- like They're Terminators, mate. Mate, they were always so much different than what I pictured in my head, which was like mm. gaunt people hidden in shadow. Whereas when you saw them and they've got like the male chain fingers, and I remember thinking that takes me out so much that I'm just sat there going, oh, I was so wrong. And instead of enjoying that moment, I'm sat there going, well, you're an idiot when you're a kid. <laughs> so They're badass, mate. They're Terminators when it comes to like relentlessly pursuing- the rich. They are essentially though pretty shit. It's like they always get so close and it's like, oh no, fire. I didn't know that existed. <laughs> Fucking but they look cool, James. They did look cool. One of my favourite things, which <laughs> takes place mainly in the first movie, but is littered throughout, is the use of um over the shoulder camera shots where so famously um Elijah Wood talking to Sir Ian McKellen, you know, ah. Frodo and um and Gandalf. Because they have to film it over the shoulder of both characters, it goes, you know, Elijah Woods child standing and i love that because although it's always the back of the head of a child you can't take away things like well that's clearly a child's arm <laughs> or the way that 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 child just ran up the steps was very much like a child <laughs> you know like there are some brilliant things where you're like the the magic of filmmaking the illusion you can't hide it you can't but that's a charm it's, it's up there with the other extreme when you've got like samuel L. jackson uh, de-aged and he's just like yeah you're a 70 year old man stop doing can't we yeah yeah which the same with the irishman isn't it you can make yeah you can yeah, make you, Robert can't kick. you can make him look young but you can't make him curb stab young <laughs> or, or curb Al Pac- for the young man <laughs> <laughs> or al pacino in that movie it's like yeah he looks 40 years younger Younger, but he's getting out of the chairs like a hundred <laughs> year old. Um, yeah, the, these these movies are, you know, characters that are fleshed out, unique storylines that are interlinked, a narrative that is paced well, a world that is vast, that is incredibly well built, motives that are clear and consistent. It's underpinned by great performances, cinematography. It's got a perfect score, and all 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 the while, our heroes. And our main characters are so well balanced, you know, in that fellowship, if we start there, but, you know, we've got bravery and cowardice. We've got wisdom, naivety. We've got skills, stupidity, loyalty, those that betray light and dark. And overall, we have good versus evil. It is a just a well-crafted, well-blended um, film that actually when you start to break down its, its infrastructure and you start to realize, right, that character is the offset of that character. Mm. They, and some are, some are more obvious than others. I think... Merry and Pippin are are very much there to kind of offset, you know, uh, the um, Sam and and um, the serious Frodo. Ones, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like we're doing stuff, we're pissing about. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and obviously you've got great relationships between um, Gimli and and Legolas. Although a lot of people call him Legolas, I don't know. I'm just going to call Legolas. All right, it just I, just one of the things I'm worried about. Listeners, let's just remember: be Gandalf, don't be an orc, <laughs> and Gandalf being fucking MVP, mate. Yeah, it's you all over it. It's just, it's, it's just a wizard and it was played by Ian McKellen. It was called Gandalf. Too. Yeah, but there are some times I found myself this week rewatching it going, do some wizard shit. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because he he's one of the least wizardy wizards. It's just like, 
let's, let's take a let's take a horse. It's like why don't you magic an airplane or like a scud yeah. missile? When it comes to when it comes to like showing off fireworks, mate, he's balls deep in that. <laughs> when it comes to riding into battle, just a light. <laughs> Just a light. But though, you'd argue, did work. Did, did work, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. maybe he was like, don't need it. There is logic there. There is. But I, yeah, Ian McKellen just, for me, is, is MVP of this. I mean, there, there are a lot of characters I like. Should we start there? Should we start with the cast list? Let's start with the cast list because it is numerous and, okay. and, and only gets bigger as the series goes on. Like any great epic saga, it needs to rest on the shoulders of one person. And, and in this, it, you know, we are in the footsteps of Frodo Baggins, Elijah Woods, Someone who I must admit, probably other than films like The Faculty, mm. I haven't really seen a lot of Elijah Woods. No, I, I think I had. I don't know what he's maybe because I'd just seen them. I don't know. So I know he didn't have the most extensive, but I, I, I always remember him from North, mate, which was one of the worst films ever. And I'll always talk about North because Bruce Willis dressed up as plays like his conscious, and at one point dressed up as a bunny and a carrot. It's a terrible film. You did tell me about that, and that is something that needs to be seen to be believed. <laughs> um, and remember, uh, Sean Austin, who played Samwise, he he was a big 80s guy, wasn't he? Towards the 80s. He was in a lot of things. He was, uh, was he the Goonies? Uh, no, he was in like, uh, oh, what was it called? He was in the he was in the one where- uh, Small Soldiers or whatever it is. I was going to say, when terrorists take over a school. So I do remember him. And then other than that, you've got like the greats, like Ian Holm, uh, Sean Bean, Ian McKellen, Hugo Weaving. But other than that, I, I didn't, Dominic Mahogan, the Scottish actor, sorry. He would then, off the back of this, become quite famous because I would say he's he's quite famous and did Lost, obviously. Charlie and Lost, wasn't he? he? Charlie yeah. and Lost. And then did some big screens. So he did a lot. I mean, Billy Boyd, I just got a funny feeling, mate, that in the future he'll show up as the bad guy in Cracker. <laughs> you know, yeah. He's just got that look about him. He'll be like, he's the killer, Billy Boyd, because he was in he was in the film once. When you, when you, when you look at him as well, like in Hobbit Get Up, you know, when you, you know, the aesthetics of the Hobbit, you know, they are, hmm. they're, they're smaller than most, they have big feet. And this, I'm going to put it out there now and I'm going to say at the end, Frodo and Samwise, barefoot. I know, that's barefoot the- to Mordor. That's the greatest achievement in all of this. Just, do you think, do you think they've got Farouk's as well? Just, just, mate, when I'm watching, I'm just thinking, they've got to go Farouk. They've got some fucking callous feet, <laughs> mate, by the end of this journey. <laughs> All right. I, I, the other day I had to walk in the back garden barefoot on gravel and I couldn't do it. And I'm watching them like climb, you know, the the the, uh, the mountains of Mordor and thinking, God, that's going to blister. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good sign that you're getting old as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blistering. But I do like, I, I watched an interview with Elijah Wood where he, told, where he said he stole a pair of Hobbit feet off the set. You would? Yeah, you, of course you would. And I'll, you can't not appreciate the attention to the detail with the little hair on the feet and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, I think when you look at that main cast as well, uh, Elijah Wood settles into the look really well. He, mm. He's, you know, the the longer kind of curlier hair, the kind of whole look to it. And also Billy Boyd looks really natural as a hobbit. I, that's it. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Oh, he must be small. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something about him. It's like, he's not acting. He yeah. is that small. Um, it was really weird as well because um, I think I've never really liked Sean Austin. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever liked him since he appeared randomly in like 24 season five in one of the biggest polls that I'll never let go. But he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. Um, Stranger Things season two, mate. Yeah, that's true. But it, but then I'll never forgive him because he became a, he became a big admirer of Adam Sandler and he appears in a lot of his films. Click. So giveth with one hand, mate, but the Lord taketh away. Sandler taketh. <laughs> so, but um, I never really liked him. You know what? you got to give it to him. I think when you watch, when you think of Lord of Rings, you think Frodo, but but I think it's a universally accepted that Samwell is the guy. Yeah. He is, he's the main character. He's the one that literally, literally when you're 
main character can't be fucked anymore. He literally picks him up and carries him to the next plot. It's just like... The mechanics of them two as a pair work really well because you have to believe that the ring um, sucks the energy, the life, the will out of someone. And so you have to, you know, to get Frodo to the final scene, it is on the shoulders of his best friend. And that is... As a kid, as a young, I didn't see that. Mm. Certainly as an adult, that is one of the take-home messages in this is Samwise, particularly in the last act of that first movie, you realise why he's there. He is the, uh, he's the Bobby. He's the soldier from the First World War. It, because um, because Tolkien fought in the First World War and he was an officer. They had batsmen, people who would, you know, do stuff for them. And that's what Samwell is. He's kind of like, he's the soldier. He gets dirty and he does the work when it becomes too much for everyone else. Like the unsung hero. Everyone's talking about Frodo, but the person who gets it done is the Bobby, is the soldier in the trenches. And I really like that analogy. I think that's brilliant. It's like, he's overlooked, but ultimately, if Samwell, like, doesn't follow him, then the book ends halfway through chapter, uh, through the second book. It's just like, oh, we're fucked then. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> There's so many times Frodo would have lost it. You know, yeah. I mean, spiders, you know, fatigue. There's loads of things where <laughs> just malnourished, just lost. <laughs> just at one point, it'd be it'd be in a cave of Gollum right now. I'd say <laughs> but, uh, there's a, there is there is a part though as well that I think that three of the three of the main Hobbit group really kind of from story one entrance to the end kind of keep that theme. The theme that I love and that is like food, drink, smoke, sleep. Yep. Frodo is a little bit beyond that. Like he, he's, you know, he, he, he looks, wants to adventure. He looks like he skipped a meal or two. Mm. But I, I, I love the scenes where uh, Samwise is like potatoes, potatoes, <laughs> Go on, boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Always thinking with his stomach, and that's I latch onto that guy. As soon as you've said that, I guarantee fifty percent of our audience is now seeing that remix song in the red. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Potatoes. <laughs> What's status? What's status? Precious. Oh my god. Fifty-two percent <laughs> quotable, mate. But you know, even you know, even the breads and stuff like that. And it's like he's always thinking with his stomach right the way to the end of the movie. Even when he brings Frodo around, he's like, "Remember the Shire, remember the food." Yeah, he's still got. Um, now, now my problem is I should say this off the bat. Now is I've only watched the extended versions uh, versions because I'm a fan, and I think they are the only way that you can truly appreciate the trilogy because there's so much more in it. Like I know you, Aaron. I know you're a Shire man. Mm. I know that you'd love that the fact that in the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, the scenes in the shot are much longer. Oh. Like the birthday party is a lot longer. You meet more characters. They're having more fun. They're doing more Hobbitsy things. You know, I don't remember, but at one point they start listing the meals they're going to miss. It's like, what about second breakfast? Eleven seats. I don't know if that's in the theatrical court, if that's in the extended. Oh, one I've seen I've that. Seen. In that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah. you know, do you think he knows about eleven seats? Yeah. I but I could watch a whole movie in Hobbiton in yeah. the Shire. I could watch a. Uh, I want to watch Bake Off. In the Shire. Oh, that would be amazing. I would, I would like someone murder, mate. That's what I was going to say. There's not been a murder. Just something like someone's stolen a bit of beer. I was going to go, someone's put their thumb in a pie. Yes. <laughs> They're going to yes. go like, who's done this mischief? But they treat it like a real yeah. like crime. Like, you know, <laughs> who's got the jammy thumb? <laughs> they bring in someone and he beats them. <laughs> it's like, who took the pie? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. You take him to court and hang him. It's got a really serious ending. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> brutal. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think the shy is so welcoming, and with the score, which we're going to go back to, because every scene uh, or every every significant event in this is is underpinned by a, an amazing piece of mm. music, and the, the the theme of the shy, that welcoming theme that it has to, because I think the whole, if you think of the main theme, the main theme is questioning and seductive, and, yes, and it and it questions and it laws, and that is it, that is the ring, and that's what it's supposed to do. Which the shy is like. Just grab a beer. Let's have a smoke. Let's have a little nap in the afternoon. 
I ever never I never actually really thought about it because one of my favorite pieces of music, I, I don't actually know what it's called, but I would only call it as the Rohan music. And when you first hear it, when you first go to Rohan in the second film, it's very slow and it's very like, you know, very plodding. All they do is like change an octave, speed it up, and then in the third one, it's the same bit of music, but it's just after Theoden gives a massive speech where he just basically goes, you're all fucked, mm. we're all going to die. And now I'm sat there in my seat going, damn, damn. So uh, yeah, that's great. The music and the, uh, builds the scene. Mm. It does so much to say. The film does a lot of setting up before you're ever there. Like we know instantly because we see the hobbits are having fun, they're having a laugh. We know that this is a genteel town where they don't get a lot of murders. <laughs> they, they have a lot of fun because everyone from Bilbo Baggins in... Bilbo Baggins pissing them out in Bag End, doing whatever he wants to like Frodo, reading a book. When we first introduced him, he's just reading, mate, and having a smoke. He's having the time of his life. Gandalf comes down and goes, you've been labelled uh, Disturber of the Peace. Ooh, sets off some fucking fireworks. Good man. Good man, those kids. And even that, even that old man was very angry. But then as soon as he let the fireworks up, he had a smirk. Like, you scamps. You scamps. Absolutely adore that. I would love to live I in still, the shot. I still quote uh, uh, Gandalf as well in that scene where, when, yeah, whenever I'm late. I know you do. Like, right? <laughs> and Aaron arrives exactly when he means to. Like, I still use that. No. That is all to dickish though, isn't it? It's just like, you, you're late. It's like, I meant to arrive. Oh, so you meant to arrive late. You meant to piss me about that. <laughs> like, I'm on a horse in a car. It's like, the cinema starts at eight. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to have a, don't want to have a, like an issue with you, Gandalf. Show up when you're fucking supposed to. I I I, I love the Shire. I love all of that. Like all great movies, epic movies. That introduction is so imperative. You know, it, it, going back to Star Wars, you know, first meeting Luke, or or Back to the Future. You know, the scene where he goes to see Dark and he's not there and he plugs in the guitar. It's it's the it's the hair rising on your arms and in the back of your neck when you're like, we're here, we're back. This is cool, and I know what's coming, but. I'm, I'm excited like the first time again. And it's, you know, over uh, colorized, you know, and it's incredibly bright. And, um, you know, whereas later on they draw the color out of the scene. This one, they just dial everything up to 11. Yeah. It is like the Great British Bake Off. Oh, he's so nice though. And it's tranquil. No eye should be that bright, you know. <laughs> but it is, it's like, it just looks like every day is, is like, a, you know, a festive folk uh, celebration. Just strike me as there's not a lot going on. Though mm. it's like if you don't enjoy pissing about in a meadow, you're gonna be quite bored. It's and like there's not a multiplex, there's not a cinema, there's not a temping bowling. It's like there's a bar, which I know a lot of people would be happy with, where there's pissing about in a meadow. <laughs> that is it. Or or if you're that stuck up for entertainment, write your own pissing book. <laughs> that seems to be the third best like pastime. Be <laughs> it must be pretty good carpenters because they're mouses, mate. Actually, do you know what? Whoever made Bag End, they're beautiful house. Yeah. It's just like I bet you made that and it kind of lords itself and everybody's like, mine. <laughs> It, just look at that. They, they are fascinating creatures as well, the hobbits. You know, they, they are the, the, the party goers, the drinkers, the celebrators, but also they don't want people no. coming around. They don't want the adventure. They want the quiet life. They, they, they strike me as they've got thousands of cousins, but they don't want to know any of them. And I think incest is pretty hard. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Obviously. Like, and, and I think a lot of that, moving on to Ian Homer's Bilbo Baggins, um, kind of you get that. You get that they, they certainly get to an age where okay, I'm a bit tired of all of this. I think Bilbo Bangers is, it, Ian Home plays this perfectly. I think he's the great introductional character to learn about the world. Mm. So you learn about him and you've learned through his friendship with Gandalf and he's just funny. You know, they, you can instantly tell they're great fans. Ian McKellen and Ian Home bounce off each other so brilliantly that you can't help but fall in love. He's like, go away. You don't want any well wishes. He's like, what about old friends? Boom, instant. We know they're old friends and they're having a barner. Mm. A barner? For the one, but, and, and even without reading reading The Hobbit or knowing anything about The Hobbit, because I'm pretty certain when these movies came out, Mate, at the age of 13, I didn't really know about it. You need to everything you need to know about The Hobbit can be summed up in a Leonard Nimoy song. It can, it can. <laughs> but uh, the uh, you know that that you know 
Ian Holmes character, Bilbo Baggins, talking about um, you know adventuring dragons and writing a book and all that. You get the idea that Sweet's gone on before, mm. you know, and and we're going to see it again this time through the guise of of Frodo. Let's then move on to uh, the wider cast, the Fellowship. Mm. So uh, a few more characters. If Frodo is, uh, if if pressure is riding on Frodo, it's equally riding on the character of Aragorn, played by Viggo Mortensen. Definitely the first time I've seen Viggo Mortensen in a movie. Oh, uh, yeah, possibly. I think one of the biggest roles I've ever seen. I've seen him in a bit part in here and there. Does a great job of being. I don't want to be too dickish here. Being quite stoic, he doesn't show that much emotion. But that's because he doesn't, that's not his role. Especially in the first one, because my problem is when I when I fantasy booked, when I fantasy cast, I always saw Sean Bean as Aragon. So mm. to have a film where he plays literally Boromir and someone else said, you're always going to go against that. But as he as the character grows, and this is different from the book as well, but his reluctance seems to dissipate and you know he grows into the role, much like Aragon grows into the role of being king. So I do, I quite liked the mirror, you know, I would say that he's not the leader he was as he begins. You know, he's, he kind of seems to prefer to be the ranger, striker who lives out. And then he, the fellowship, he gains some friendship, becomes quite close with Gimli and Legolas. And then by the third one, he's like, fuck it, put a crown on my head. <laughs> Give me a sword. I'm going to go shout at a ghost. <laughs> I'm going to take some names, boys. Yeah, exactly. So, good job. I think, I think Viggo Mussen has some winning factors that make him perfect for the role. I think he, he looks he, the part. I was going to say, he, he pulls off the sweaty look quite Yeah, well. I was going like, to say, he, he's got a greased, a dirty look, <laughs> a, a, a very kind of um, pronounced chin and looks great with long hair and wielding a sword. So he's, he's the perfect match. He's also very good at acting. I think you're completely right. He also builds to the best line he delivers is his last line, you bow to no one. And I remember watching that the other day and I was like, fuck yeah, you don't. <laughs> just Frodo just sticks up his finger, his finger that's missing. It's just like, you're damn fucking straight. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I I really like him. He also has a, uh, a presence where in the movie you feel, when he's gone, so in certain scenes, in certain storylines, he goes away and there is jeopardy shit. They may lose this battle. And when he returns, you're like, oh fuck, it's fine. Arrogance back. It's, there is this like feel of, he is as he is as, as skillful and um, heroic as the movie sets him out to be. And also, I think maybe it's because where I come from, you know, recently we did Game of Thrones and, you know, we basically, it was like, oh, honour will get you killed. It was, it's kind of weird. It was like, he's honourable and also good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's not banging his sister. Oh, that's good. Doesn't <laughs> drop the ball at any point, does he? Doesn't no. like litter or anything. But you can even be like, yeah, oh, that was a bit of a dickish mood. Uh, it could have done with him kicking a dog at some point. So at least he's got another side to him. But I think there was a scene, but they deleted it because when he kicked the helmet and he left out a very unimpressive no, but it turned out it's because he broke his foot. Oh, no, they kicked that in, don't they? They did, but it's because he broke his foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a bit out of character, that, really. <laughs> no! Um, yeah, can't win them all. But, um, Ian McKellen and Gandalf. Oh, well, I've already stated my MVP. My genuine, genuinely might think maybe the most perfect casting in the history for perfect casting. Mm. I mean, I'm thinking like Patrick Stewart as Picard, you know, iconic, you know, for the more modern day audiences, can you see anyone else playing Wolverine other than Hugh Jackman? It's kind of like, it's like he plays Gandalf. Who else is playing Gandalf? No one. I just think they, they wanted Sean Connery for this role. When you say that, it's almost laughable. Is, yeah, and he couldn't. He didn't get it. He was like, I don't get it. It's just like when they gave him the Matrix. Like, I don't get it. It was like, just retire, and he did. And, and that's we, great. He still had a great career. But but when you think of Sir Ian McKellen, anyone else in this role would have been 
piss poor. My, uh, we talked about this story in the Harry Potter episode that when um, Richard Harris died, mm. he was first in line to pick up Dumbledore. And he was like, nope. No, it's because Richard Harris yeah, so. once said on an interview that uh, Ian McKellen was a rubbish actor. Yeah. So he said, he, he, but then he said afterwards, he said he, every time he saw the Harry Potter poster, he always said, what if kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think he's great. And also going back to that comment about watching the filmmaking, there is some great scenes as well with Ian McKellen where his stand-in comes in and, um, you know, there is a, where there's a scene towards the end where he's not on a horse, they sprint at the enemy and Gandalf is leading the pack and I'm like, mate, they got, no way. You know, like, they got some athlete in because he is treading. Like, <laughs> fucking Usain Bolt. Just yeah. like having a day. But he, he, you know, but he gets his hands dirty. He's a fighter. He's, he's, he's intellectual. He's wisdom. You know, he's all do, those things. Do like in the third one where he's kind of like, I love this bit where he's kind of like, uh, oh, you know, I'm the mentor. You know, let's think things are true. I don't want to go this way. Let's not go there. Let's go here. He's the thinker. Everyone's like, oh, what? let's ask Gandalf what he thinks. In the third one, he's just like, right, stop fucking running away, pick up a sword and fucking shank yeah. a bitch. Get up there like that because we need to get going. <laughs> it's just like, and, like, and then he's just like, right, I'm going to have you. He starts yeah. calling them out at one point, mate. He's like, when the doors of Minas Tirith are breaking and he's like, stand your ground, no matter what comes through, like, four fuck off, yeah. dude. Yeah. And he's like, I probably shouldn't have said it that. Just cut back, doesn't it, to his face where he goes, didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> expected a couple of orcs. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that does stand out. That's he's like, you are men. You know, like, yeah. stand your ground. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's desperate. He's like, he's like, what's me magic? Oh, where did I leave my magic? There's just, a, there's just a Gandalf like silhouette and he's fucking gone. But it's yeah. like, I could always come back to Gandalf, Gandalf the Red. It'll be fine. But I, I remember when this came out in particular, you know, the, in the first movie where you know he, he perishes, you know, which we'll get to in a moment. But they, they, they fucking let. I mean, because people read the book, so they knew that he was going to come back as Grand, mm. Gandalf the White. But I hadn't, and I remember the trailer. And the poster for the second movie and being like, oh, so he's back then. So it wasn't like was a big it? reveal. I don't remember yeah, that. it wasn't oh. like a big reveal when he kind of reemerges as Gandalf the White. And I like that, the idea that he comes back. He's like, no, my job's not done yet. You mm. know, my time will come, but I need to finish this quest. And you know, it does feel like he had an extra life somewhere. Like. Which is weird that they show him off in the second one because the first one, it's, they do something really weird, which they, they treat his death with quite a lot of respect. It's after he dies, it's all they fucking talk about. Yeah. It's like they're going to cry. You know, they get to the elf, uh, the elf wood, and it's like, where's Gandalf? I would speak with him. It's like, Gandalf's not here. Gandalf's dead. You know, they show, they, they, it's why I'm quite surprised they just like shot their load, if you will, on a poster. But he's almost like, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you get some great scenes in that first movie with him and Christopher Lee because Christopher Lee's, um, Chris Lee is the original white wizard. So the yeah. white wizard is a force for good. And that's what, and Saruman is a force for good, I'd like to point out. He's obviously not by this Sa stage. Now I'm going to get Saruman and Sauron wrong at so one point. So don't worry about it. But Saruman, the, the white wizard, he's the white wizard. He is, he comes from a good place. So he's been alive as long as Middle Earth exists. This is, so he's always been there to fight the good fight. Mm. Uh, if you've watched the Hobbit films, he's like a good guy. Mm. When he starts looking into he starts to get corrupted because he's like, yeah, I could use the ring for good. And when he sides with Sauron, there's the element that he's only siding with Sauron so he can get access to the ring. You know, so it's not purely evil. The reason Gandalf comes back is because Saruman is no longer doing the job as White Wizard, hence why Gandalf was brought back as Gandalf the White. So I do Boom. like their scenes together in that first movie. Yeah, especially like when they have a fight, which is essentially who can push each other the, the hardest. With, with magic. With magic. <laughs> Fucking magic. Imagine. But yeah, that because that that is... When I was watching, I was like, Christopher Lee didn't die then, but he certainly just leaves the movie. Yeah. You know, they, well, yeah, he's got it for a bit. He's got to prepare for the second movie, mate. <laughs> no, I mean in the second movie, when the ends circle oh, the tower. Yes. He's like, see it. That's the point I make when I saw someone yeah. the first one, yeah. 
Um, it's, but if you remember that third film, they had to cut something, and that was one of the things I got caught. I do want to say as well that in Home, what I was meant to say is in the BBC radio drama, which is acclaimed, he, he played, played Frodo. Bilbo. Oh, did he play Frodo? Yeah. I played Bilbo. I was like, yeah, no, I did say, I did, I did read about that. Yeah. So, uh, keeping on with the fellowships, we've had Gandalf and Aragorn, Gimli. I, Gimli is, so this is a bit weird. So, um, John Reese. Oh, see, your man from Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's uh, John Reese davis John Reese davis He had to film all his scenes away from the other actors, but he wanted to be on set because all the actors have got matching tattoos, all the fellowship, they, they have such a great time. But he uh, remembers, his recording is obviously because he plays uh, a dwarf, his separate issues, all of his close-up shots, he's not there for. And then he's CG'd when they're running together to play by a stunt actor because obviously he has gout famously for a very long time and can't run on set. So he was barely there for the shenanigans, but he would dress up in prosthetics and sit around for hours to shoot his scenes. I do think he comes across as a lot of um, comic relief, but do you know what? It's a fucking, in my head, it's like a nearly 12 hour long trilogy, 13, 14, 15 hours. He'd be, I, oh, brilliant. Now, nowadays in the Marvel universe, he would be the one that sells toys. Yeah. You know, cause he, but also you need a big character. You need a Brian blessed style mm. character for, because he's, he's a dwarf and, and you know, I, I don't mean to insult anyone, but I imagine in the pecking order, Dwarf is next to the Hobbit. <laughs> you know, it's a, it can swing an axe and grow a beard. And bear in mind as well, this is way before, you know, it was trendy to grow a Viking beard and, and mm, do your hair. Like very, Gimli, very trendy. Gimli did it. He but, set it off. But no, I, I do you know what? I, not, not, not your favourite, but yeah. Welcome addition, addition in the movie. There are, and there are some... There's, there's a bromance there with Legolas. Like, and I was going to say, that that's the strongest issue is that they do come across, and it's very acted well between uh, the two characters, you know, the hated, you know, elves and dwarves don't like each other. Eh, these two do. Mm. Mm. I don't know why I went mm, like that. Well, Legolas played by Orlando Bloom, at this point, a relatively unknown actor. Wish he'd remained at I, Orlando Bloom. No, I'm not joking. Kind of. I don't like Legolas, but I'm not, you're not supposed to. What I really like about Legolas is in the first Fellowship of the Ring, they're climbing up the mountain. He's so light and with nature, he stands above the snow. I don't know if you've ever saw that. Everyone's everyone's like waist deep in snow, but he's not because he's so light. He mm. stands above the snow. That shit, loved. Um, apparently he had quite a rivalry with Vigo because he was supposed to, when they're running, he's supposed to be so far ahead of them because he's an elf. Like they generally have sprinting matches like whilst they're filming, which, you know, if I was Peter Jackson, I would not be like, I was like, he's 280 minutes. Stop pissing about. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't sweat or get dirty in any of the scenes. And, and I think thing. they had banter on set with Vigo Morrison where Vigo would would uh, come off scene and say, um, where was you in that fight? The hairdressers. So, <laughs> so they would have a, they'd have a banter on set apparently. And I think Legolas, I really like now growing up because and maybe it is post Game of Thrones, post whatever, that when you realise how skillful a warrior that he is, elves on a whole, I'm not overly into. I think that's OP, mate. <laughs> I think he certainly is the, the best, you know, pulling that character out. Unfortunately, some of the scenes don't age well when he's like on top of a beast firing. They're the ones yeah. who are like, oh, PlayStation 2 graphics. Mm, they wish. <laughs> but, but for the most part, I, I really like Orlando Blue. He does, he, he is unfortunately victim to some of the worst lines in the movie. He is. That, that's true. That's the perfect way to put it up. And and because of his age and because elves are, are live forever, when they brought him back for The Hobbit, it kind of made me sound the whole character completely. Oh, that's not these three films' fault and that's not how you should judge him. But I was like... Oh, piss off, Legolas, you big knobhead. <laughs> but for me, okay, I don't like that character in this film, though. The overpowered warrior, you know. I imagine he's got a very clean browser history. He's very boring, very <laughs> vanilla, mate. Not, not for me. He's so vanilla, <laughs> He's yeah. so vanilla. He's so vanilla that, no, I, no, that's mean. I'm not, not that bad. He's okay. Not for me. And, and talking talk of, like, internet memes and sensations, 
we're going to Isengard. Yeah. It just became a big thing, didn't well, it? Well, all three of them have got one. I mean, when we start talking about the biggest one, and I think possibly the greatest meme ever, mm. one does not simply walk into Mordor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this film was up there with like Spider-Man, wasn't it? The the Sam Raimi, Tom McGuire one yeah. for just fucking nailing the memes <laughs> and, and the gifs. But this this film as well, I, I think with Legolas, I think what also does it, but it, it's weird to, it's hard to describe, but by the end when they are exhausted, fatigued, tired, and not a hero is out of place, it does, it doesn't help with the illusion of the filmmaking, his character. You know, yeah. when, when you see that final fight, you know, when the doors open and, and uh, you know, Viggo Mosterson's uh, arrogant kind of looks as if he's about to throw in the towel and then he just turns to the camera and his men and he's like, for Frodo and sprints at him. You know, you don't get the fact that Legolas was a hard worker at that point. You don't. I love the fact that the first time he gets mucky is in that scene. You know, mm. when 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 an orc stands on him, oh, yeah, and he's, he's got a bit of he's got a bit of like hair out of place, maybe a bit of dirt on the face. Yeah, must have been a bad fight. <laughs> so talking of uh, talking of the fellowship, Boromir, Sean Bean. Now, whereas uh, Ian McKellen is the MVP of the whole thing of the first movie, Sean Bean is the best and acts the best. In the film. Agreed completely. I This is one of my favourite portrayals of all time on the big screen. And I'm I'm a whore for the extended edition. And the reason I say this is because when you watch the extended edition, you actually see more of Boromir go through the process. And what I mean by that is if you watch the theatrical vision, uh, version, it gets very easily corrupted pretty much straight away. Whereas the extended version, when, he, when the Council of Elrond on, it basically tries to possess him immediately and it doesn't work. But then you see him give a speech with Aragorn when they're talking about like the history of men, you know, coming from a Sildor, you know, touching the blades. They have a conversation about, you know, what it means to be Gondorian, you know, because he's talking to the man who is supposed to be his king. Mm. Boromir comes from the line of stewards that are supposed to be like, keep the seat warm because, you know, the real king's going to come any moment. It's brilliant. They've got like a great relationship. He, he spends more time with uh, the hobbits. So that, and what I really love about this, is something I, I don't want to go on too much about it, is, is the ring singles him out because men are the weakest. Yeah. And it's like, Boromir, I'm having you. And it teases him throughout the entire film. And my favourite shot is when they're climbing up a mountain and Frodo slips and the ring is in the right-hand corner of the screen you see Sean being picked up by the chain. Oh, exquisitely shot. It's such a beautiful scene. Mm. And Boromir's downfall is actually exquisitely done. I think it's brilliant. You know, it's believable. When he makes his move for the ring and he loses it and he is actually afraid and, you know, he starts crying. He's desperate. Like, desperate. And that like, mate... Mate, he's one of my favorite portrayals. I just saw me fucking nailed it. He does completely nails it. One hundred percent agree with what you're saying, and he is man, and that and that is that you know when they're around the table, he is the one. These guys can't do it, you know. And yeah. he's, he, he's the person that you know. He's he's not the believer, you know, and um, believes that the Hobbit should hand it over, and you know, yeah. man should go and do it. And you're right, and also because he's struggling as well, because his whole life is you know Mordor's next to um, Minas Tirith and uh, Osgiliath, which I know I've said wrong. Sorry, internet. Um, they fight every day. He's like, I want, I need to use this weapon to save Gondor. So it doesn't come out of smart. It doesn't come out of need for power. It comes out of need of, of need. Mm. And our oh, mate. So I think he's actually next level compared to some of the actors. I'm not saying they're phoning it in, but like Orlando Bloom doesn't have much to do in the first film. And then when you got Shawmy doing this, I was like, oh, fucking phenomenal. I like as well that they, they let him go with dignity towards the end as well. So yes, he does make his move for the ring. He, he does act like the, you know, kind of somewhat desperate, um, scared, you know, what have you. But he does redeem himself. Yeah, you know, he does, in a badass way. Yeah, and that mate, he takes arrows in that one. He does take. He does take arrows. There, are, oh, what's the parallel as well in this? I did watch this week because he dies as a hero. He gets shot in the front, 
Whereas who's the character who dies as a villain and gets shot in the back? I can't remember who it is. Internet's going to kill me for that. Well, Simon gets like stabbed in the back from the tower. No, it's one down. of the other um, men in it or one of the other characters. But yeah, because he dies with dignity, he gets shot in the front. Mm. But then later on, the, the parallel is one of the other guys gets shot in the back and it's because he didn't die with dignity. Anyway, very well made film. And and Sean Bean, I, I rewatching it this week, I was like, this is so good. Say If we can say that legend happens in the same world as, as <laughs> Game of the Thrones certainly fucking does, just on the different side of the map. Um. Going to that, before we go on, uh, Sauron then as well, because we only see him in his physical form in the um, first Kate like Blanchett's narrative at the beginning of the film. Which can I just say, I don't, I don't know how you've set yours up. I go through my film a bit by bit, but as openings go, is one of the best openings to a film I've ever seen. Mm. It's just like, the ring exists. Sauron's a dick. Watch this fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. um, in two minutes, it's just, come on. It, it's absolutely terrifying. And the voice is phenomenal throughout. Just like this kind of eerie, but not like menacing, not like overly edited, but... Edited so it's kind of like as blurry as the world that exists when you put on the ring. Accompanies <laughs> the sounds as well. That questioning, seductive sound. I think Kate Blanchard delivers, like you say, it's not monotonal, but it is somewhat kind of devo- like devoid you know of any emotion. When you've had a massage, it's how you kind of hear the world when you're completely relaxed. You're like, oh. mm. it's like this voice is like, there was one ring. And you're like, when, when you see sound though, like clubbing people, fuck That's- you. Badass. That is pretty badass. Yeah. If, if I was him, I'd genuinely be annoyed that someone cut my fingers off and that's how I died. Yeah, I would also put a bit of armor around my fingers. <laughs> I, I'd be like, bear in mind, this ring is the most powerful thing. He's like, well, I'll put a glove over it yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't randomly fall off. <laughs> but he is like, the, the, you do get the impression in a very short amount of time that he, like that, that so deadly and so vicious and, and powerful. Mm. And because you have to, the, the you know, the, what this is all riding on is he's going to come back and he's going to take fucking names bigger, stronger, more powerful. So you have to very early on in the movie show how bad, you know, it's like Darth Vader. Like Darth Vader enters when everyone else is dead and then chokes a dude. Yeah. Like straight away, you're like, that guy's villainous. You know, like, <laughs> like and they have to do the same with, with Sauron, I reckon, in this and, and show how powerful he is. And, and those scenes as well are pretty, there is a part of it that kind of wishes, and in a modern film, probably the Avengers is the example of this with Thanos, you ha- there has to be the switch towards the end of the movie where the villain looks like they're going to win. And in this case would be that he comes back, then they destroy the ring. Well, this is this is where books will differ because, you know, the eye of Sauron in this is an actual physical tower with an eye that looks around. That's in the books. That's not a thing. The like image of Sauron is an eye. So the eye is always watching. I mean, Sauron's forces are always about. They're always having a, they're always having a gander. They're always watching you. And there's some people believe that Sauron's actually walking around. But because Middle-earth is so big, you never actually see him because why would you? You know, because Middle Earth is so big, why would he be doing that? Mm. Whereas I don't care. That's not important to me. I really like the representation. I like what they do. In the extended version, in the third one, they bring out a character called the Mouth of Sauron, which is awesome. He's like the only guy that speaks to Sauron. And he's so like insipid and like greasy and his mouth is uh, he's a horrible character. It's really cool. But Sauron in the first three minutes is so badass. Mm. And I love his introduction and the voice and the eye. I, I think the eye pays off. For what they want in this film, they go for a physical eye. Why not? Fuck it. Yeah. It works. I think it works really well. I mean, and, you know, if anyone's a Stephen King fan, you, you know, Stephen King wrote The Dark Towers very much, you know, which he self-describes as his dark version of Lord of the Rings. And at the center of that is a tower that when you read it, you can't help but think there's an eye on the top of the tower. <laughs> 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 you know, um, so there we go. Good guys, I guess. So let's go on to some additional characters. Arwen, Liv Tyler. Now we've been very positive up till now and I feel like we're going to drop the ball a little bit with this bit. Well, you've got an epic tale. You know, everything's happening. When we start getting into, you know, everything's always happening. At some point, you do need to slow the story down. Enter Arwen, (laughs) (laughs) whose job it is. And it's not her fault at all because I think Liv Tyler is okay. I mean, 
it's the character I don't like because they're just so fucking boring. It's just like, I right. So she spends her arc is she, she can give up her mortal life and spend it with her true love, Aragon. You know, she does. She mm. gives it up. She wants to live a mortal life. Then she changes her mind and she doesn't want to. And then she has a vision where she has a kid. And then she has a go at dad for going, why didn't you tell me this was possible? It's like, well, do you not know our signs? <laughs> you think it could happen. But if you leave, that won't happen because you'll be in a different place. <laughs> but then I remember thinking, I don't fucking care because it's so fucking boring. And it goes nowhere. And I, I, that's my problem with the elves. Other than Legos, they all kind of sit around like, like thinking they're holier than that. But all they want really to do is forge a sword and do fuck all. <laughs> Yeah, Liv, Liv Tal, unfortunately, rewatching this this last week was was when I went to go get a brew. <laughs> it's 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 not her fault. The character she replaces is I can't remember the name. It's Elrond's son. He's tall. He's an elf. He's got long blonde hair. He defeated a Balrog on his own, mm. and he died and came back to life. But the one thing Tolkien didn't do, he didn't create strong female characters. And I just think that or black characters apparently or black characters exactly. So so the fact that you know they they gave this storyline to Owen, I don't think matters at all. What I wish is they'd actually done something different because it does seem to be like this film's four hours. People are going to need a piss break. We'll mm. give them these scenes. They could piss and they won't miss anything because it'll be repeated in twenty minutes time. And and I think I think cine files and and film enthusiasts will say, well, but you you know she's also a mechanism for. Aragon's character to give him more layers and to give him a you know a reason to fight, but also a reason not to be king and love over conquers ultimately over everything. Mm. And I get that, and and I, and I, it needs that, but it it's probably is the 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 only weak link really in in, in otherwise perfect is sometimes when them scenes happen. I, I am yeah, I'm a bit like, come on, this is three hours. We need to pick up the pace a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I like Liv Tyler. I like Liv Tyler in bad movies. I like her in Armageddon. You know, and and I like him. You take that back. <laughs> Mate, I want an alter- I want them to spend loads of money, de-age it, redo the ending, redo that, where, you know, at the end when it's just Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Yeah. And then Bruce Willis gets in the ship and then Ben Affleck's like, what? He's like, fuck you. And then they just leave. Much better ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ending we should have had. Harry, Bruce Willis's character, signed up to the whole mission just to leave the boyfriend of his daughter on an asteroid oh, to tell him to fuck off. That would make sense. If it only would make sense is if we also created the asteroid. <laughs> when he was drilling, he was like... This is why I launch a fucking asteroid in the space. Yeah. What a plan to get rid of your, your girlfriend's boyfriend. To be fair though, it's Ben Affleck. I'm on this side. I'm on Ben Affleck's side in the fact that in the in the DVD commentary of that, he, he says that he asked Michael Bay, why is it why was it quicker to train drillers to become astronauts than astronauts drillers? Michael Bay told him to fuck off. But someone asked Michael Bay that and it was Ben Affleck, so he gets a point. I like it. But then he lost that point when he did Daredevil. <laughs> Or um, Gigi, to be fair, or any other films in the 2000s. <laughs> we, um, we, we were talking just before we recorded about Hugo Weaving's performance across the three movies as Elrond. Um, because he's, he's, he's fucking, he's fucking doing a different film. He's he? doing a different film. <laughs> he, he came into this like, I'll give you biblical. Well, he was 2001, mate. So he was like, well, I've just done Matrix. I was like, apparently I'm defining this genera- this generation of films. So fuck it. I'll, you'll, I'll give you fucking Shakespearean, yeah. mate. There are scenes when he is acting really like up against people that are not acting on that same level. And Because I think for the most part, you know, the, some unknown actors, some established actors, you know, across the board. But on the most part, it was... I think people took the role knowing that this is a cinematic version of Lord of the Rings. Mm. Hugo even came in and was like, no, this is Shakespeare's Lord of the Rings. Mordor. <laughs> like, when he gives Aragorn the sword. What? Brilliant. You know, I'll never forgive him though, because because he goes with the sealed door, he goes to Mount Doom, and then when the guy, like, the sealed door goes, do you know what? I'm not going to throw it in there. He's, he, he doesn't go, no. <laughs> 
hang about. Oh yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he walks past me, he goes, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Just like, I guess. I never, I never thought of it like that. Well, mm. well put, Silver. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just gone, how about? It, two things are going to happen. Either you're going to drop it and I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Cast the ring. No. Damn. Good, good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the point where he should have done some elf shit. It's you know just I mean? like, I just love the idea of going, oh, it's got me. <laughs> it's bound. I'm just right. Yeah, I didn't see that happening. Um, so, so, so that guy, it's, a, it's exactly, it's the, it's, the, um, it's the Star Wars moment where the guy goes, I'm going to shoot the ship down. And he goes, any nice times? He goes, nah. <laughs> so he's going, well, don't do it then. It's like, let's go have a brew. <laughs> Both it, trilogies could have been ended there. <laughs> it, but I do like that Hugo Weaving's in it because again, all the other characters, because of how, who he is, you know, and mm. like you said, we've done The Matrix recently as a, as a podcast. Yeah, when he, when he shows up, you are like, there he is. There he is. But also, you know that you need to, um, you need to get, the, you, you know instantly, it's like, well, this character's a big deal. Because he's not played by Billy Boyd. <laughs> it's, it's Hugo Weaver. So he's like, I'm supposed to pay attention to what he says. Mm. And then you're like, oh, all right, cool. I wouldn't last. Whereas I would make a home in Hobbiton and, and Bag End, I wouldn't last two minutes with the elves. Well, in Rivendell. It, it does yeah. look like it's up its own ass. It just looks, it's too tidy and clean. And- Do you know what? It's too open. It's like, it's like they don't have windows, which, like, which is fine in the summer. But what if it rains? Mm. Fucking idiots. Yeah. And everyone whispers and, you know. I just don't, it's not for me, mate. It's too nice. It's like, it's like you wouldn't, it was like, I imagine if you accidentally glittered, like they'd be on your straight, be like, right, gel. Mm. But, but it's like my Kit Kat fell out my pocket. I didn't drop it on the floor. Yeah. You, you, you'd struggle to have a fag, wouldn't you? <laughs> that's, that's actually what I was thinking. <laughs> it's like, where do you go? <laughs> now, going back to Kate Blanchett, I suppose if we're going to round up the elves, I, I never know how to pronounce her name. Oh, Glad, Gladriel. Glad, Gladriel? Gladriel. Which, we, we, which I believe... Be, be a Gandalf, don't be a knock. We accept all phrases here on this podcast. Well, I, I, I think, because I, I, I think I'm right in saying that the Lord of the Rings TV series, which is set way, way, way before the events of Lord of the Rings and mm. The Hobbit, um, and because Kate Blanchett's character is ageless, Maud of Clark is picking up that character, I think. Cool. Well, the, 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 uh, the ages are, uh, the ages, elves are immortal, so they don't, they don't age, so they could. Mm. But it's not that they don't age, they don't die, which is why they piss off to another city. So, but you, so you must get to a certain, so like, you know, Orlando Bloom has stopped where he is. With Hugo Weaving's gone a bit further. Well, I, I always question that as well. It's like, where does it kick in? Like if you're a vampire, if you're a child, how come you were like mm. a 16 year old boy? Why aren't you an eight year old boy? You know, let's not get into it. The only film that ever actually answered that question, by the way, was an interview with a vampire slayer. An interview <laughs> with vampire slayer. <laughs> interview with a vampire. When the character does stay an eight-year-old girl, doesn't she? Yeah. That's the only film I've ever known where they've actually given an answer. It's like, no, no, stay like this. It was like, thank you. Yeah, Kristen Dunst in that. She, she fucking performs in that movie. That bit when she cuts her hair and it grows back. And then you think how sinister that is, that Tom Cruise's character, Lestat, made her because he wanted a, he wanted a doll. He, he saw her as a, as a puppet, as a doll, and wanted that. Cheerful, isn't it? <laughs> no. You watch Interview with Vampire, there is no take-home positive message anywhere in that film. It is dark, depressing. Everything about that movie just depressing. It's oh. a great movie. It's well made. Good characters. Tom Cruise's really good performance. Certainly outshines Brad Pitt's character. Kirsten Dunst is wicked in it. The whole thing's great. So Antonio Banderas in it. Yeah. I've only ever seen it up until the point where Antonio Banderas gets into it and I've never seen the rest of it. Oh dude, the film is good. Christian Slater's in it. He's the guy in yeah, the vampire. Because I know how it ends because it's yeah. already ending for me. But you watch it and it is devoid of any, any like positivity. It's such a dark movie. Talking of which, <laughs> Gollum. Um, Andy Serkis. Uh, how do I put this? In the first film, I think he's purely CGI because you only see him. A fair, you only see him like appearing in the minds a little behind him. In the second one, 
he does a lot more, you know, it's, and it's a mixture of CGI and stop animation. So he's there on set acting out Gollum. Yeah, it's they not kind stop of, animation, is not, it? No, I didn't um, say stop animation, um, motion capture. Yeah. Um, so he's in there a lot. That's him performing those moves and they kind of CGI around him. Um, best sporting actor in that second film. He is the best. I don't, it, this brings up a question for me and it really pisses me off. And the Saturn Awards, and I make, no, I make mention of it in my notes, the Saturn Awards, he won best sporting actor. He wasn't even nominated for like the Academy Awards. He was the best sporting actor that year because he didn't just act. He acted with his body. He did something new, did something different. Why do his audiences like refuse? Like if someone does and goes above and be, Sorry, I feel like I'm running. So Christian Bale eats a lot of food and gets fat for a role or he starves himself. We as audience members go, oh my God, that's amazing. He takes his body to the next level. Andy Serkis morphs his body. He acts in a way that's unnatural and still gives a great vocal performance. Why do we not celebrate that? I thought, I think Andy Serkis is, a, is one, he's up there. You, you could argue that Andy Serkis has done more for modern cinema in the last 20 years than probably anyone else. Yeah. Because of the, a lot of the stop... Uh, sorry, a lot of the motion capture stuff, his company are, are now the forerunners for. Yeah. If you look at what he's done with, you know, the Planet of the Apes movies, King Kong, all these other things, you know, his technology and what he's added to film in 20 years has fucking pushed film way more than anything else. I mean, yeah, you could say that, you know, animatronics and, you know, visual mm. effects, practical effects, and, you know, all these kind of, you know, key people across towns, but, in living time now, I'd say Andy Serkis is is really pushing the forefront of cinema. So I think uh, he gives a near perfect performance as Gollum. He did get an Oscar, didn't he? He got like you know one of the like like it's not at the awards. It's like an honorary Oscar kind of oh, thing okay. for contributions to cinema. I'm pretty certain he did get one for his contributions to to visual effects. So when I was doing my notes for Two Towers, this is one where I think he outshines everyone because this is comes the quite possibly my favorite scenes from the trilogy is when uh, Smeagol and Gollum have a debate. So he's He's acting against himself and they flip the screen. So, you know, Gollum's on the left-hand side and then it was shut back. And it's the same character, but it's the inner monologue of mm. Schmeagel, who was the creature, it was was the near Hobbit-like there's, like there's a bit of human left in Schmeagel. Yeah. There's nothing left and in. And which Gollum is the creature that the ring has tortured for years and years. And the speech, the band's there back and back. You know, the, the use of the precious, like the speech pattern itself, everything about it is is fantastic. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's, the words can't describe how watching Andy Serkis play that role actually makes me feel. It makes me feel like on another level, like I've seen something great. But we don't celebrate that. It's like, oh, if fucking Christoph, Christoph Waltz, you know, like dyes his air green, we'll all piss ourselves with joy. And I, I'm not taking it out on Christoph Waltz or taking it out on, who did mm. I mention earlier? Christian Bale. Just think this is something that... You remember how you feel about stunts? It's like that to me. It's like we don't, stunts are incredibly dangerous too. Why don't we celebrate stunts? Like, why don't we celebrate this type of filmmaking? It irritates mm. me. Anyway, to answer no, no, your question, Andy's a brilliant phenomenal. But Gollum, you're right. They, they do at least three, they, because it, over three, <laughs> three movies, having that schizophrenic Jekyll and Hyde, like good versus evil relationship that that he has between Schmeagel and Gollum. You're right. They start off by doing the pan left, pan right kind of thing with mm. with his thing, where you know his eyes are lit in one, and then his eyes are slit and narrow in the other. But then they do it over the shoulder, where he's hunched when he's talking as as Gollum, yes. and then he's loose when he's talking as Schmeagol. Or the bit like the end of Two Towers where he's coming up with his plan, and he's walking, he's hiding from the hobbits, mm. and then when he's Schmeagol and he's talking to Gollum, he's the hobbits can see him. Yeah. And then, but every time he's gone, he hides, and, and he or, talks. or when he's talking to his reflection, and yes. his reflection is evil, but he is and. They they use every trick in the book, but again, perfectly to to have that kind of that split between that character. And I, and I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what I felt when I was younger. You know, when I watched it the first time. Certainly this time around, watching it now as kind of, and I use the term mature very loosely, James. <laughs> but as an older adult, 
um, I certainly felt that there is a, I think when I first watched it, I thought he was always going to betray him and he was always, that was always his plan. Whereas this, uh, when I watched it, actually, I genuinely think there was good there that was trying to resist. And it's only at the end of the close they got to Mordor that uh, Gollum overtook Schmeagol. I think when I first watched that for that, it's, it's all a trick. Well, when you first a... meet him, there is no Schmigel. It's like Frodo brings that out. But what I really like about that is that Frodo needs Gollum to live because mm. that's just like, that's you in like 30 years, mate. So, and that's where I like the dynamic. And I'm getting ahead of myself here. But what, that's the dynamic that intrigues me the most mm. is you've got Sam who hates Gollum because he's a killer, he's a traitor. But Frodo has to see something good in Gollum because if he doesn't, then that's what Frodo will turn into. He's like, I've got to believe in faith. I've got to believe in something. And I think that's really cool. I felt bad for him, mate. When he when he brings them two hairs and he's like, Look, I've got you. And then Sam's like, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cook him up. And then it cuts to scene and he's like, No, what are you doing, fat hobbit? Like yeah, boil him. It, do you know what you could have done? Mash Just him. Cut him off a bit of raw. You could have done. Could have done that. Because if Or you, left him one. Yeah. He fucking caught him. Exactly. Last time he caught him rabbits, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I do, I do like that with that film movie. There's like this fucking epic, epic fight going on. It keeps cutting to like Frodo, Sam and, and uh, Gollum. And he's like, well, he's got a bit of crumbs on his shoulder, mate. So probably at that bread. He's probably done <laughs> like, it. The most, the most childish argument is going on while this big fucking fight is happening. Do you know what I reckon? There's a murder in yours. went, nice. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's like, he did it. Why? Crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> he had a short red biscuit. Yeah. Look. look at it. Look at it. Um, Let's just keep going on this then. Uh, we talked about Sauron. We talked about um, Saruman. Grimmer Wormtong? Grimmer Wormtong. So he's the one in the second one that drips the poison in Theoden's ears. Brad Dorif, unfortunately, Brad Dorif. you can never you can never not see Brad Dorif. You can never not hear Chucky. Do you not think he's a great actor? I do, I do, I do. But I I find myself a lot when I'm watching a movie at home and, and you know, turning to who I'm watching a movie and go, do you know who that guy is? No? The voice of Chucky. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard because I've watched not Charles play. Here's Charles play. Yeah, Charles play. It's a problem. I've seen Charles play, and I'll never. I don't remember. I don't remember like the toy killing people. I don't remember like the ridiculousness. When I think of Charles play, I think of serial killer mm. Brad Dourif, shot by the police in a toy store, who's then planned to escape his voodoo. Voodoo. <laughs> that's that's where I'm like. There's a lot uh, of things going on in that first movie, mate. So much voodoo. Um, but, but I think this he's good. He's good as the serpent, isn't he? The the poison in the ear. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, mate. But I'm going to be that guy again. Extended edition, Return of the King. His role is a bit more like he stands on top of the Tower of Isengard and he has a speech. And Theoden's like, "You were a man once." It's like, "Calm down, be with your kind again." And Saruman's like, "Bitch," and like slaps him. And like he genuinely goes through like like he's like he struggles to be a man. He like he's come to terms with what he's done because Saruman's power which we didn't really talk about is his voice he can convince you to do things just by like talking to you that's why in the two towers they try and kill him before he speaks mm. um so that's really cool i really like that and like he like there's genuine good acting where he's like he has to make a decision on what to do fucking watch it right he's brilliant yeah no I, and i like the guy he does look you know greasy and evil and- he's so greasy yeah. isn't he? <laughs> he nails grease so then we're going to just go on to some other famous names that come into it. So Carl Urban. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is weird. It is weird because he does look the part. You know, a young Carl Urban who, you forget how many fucking movies and TV shows that dude has been in. It's, it's just, it's just, I don't know, he's, he's quite there. But, well, but when you're watching it, you're just like, Carl Urban. <laughs> yeah. And there was, there was a bit where I thought he died because I was like, he's not been in it for ages. Then he reappears and you're like, oh, he's still alive. Good on you, Carl Urban. It's, it's Carl Urban. <laughs> um... Let's go with uh, Faramir, David Wenham. 
who again is one of them actors who will just turn up in things. The the problem is is his father, Denethor, you know, he prefers Boromir. And do you know what? I'm on his side because Boromir's a bit of a bitch and <laughs> I'm not having a go, but he is a bit of a bitch. And did you um because he, he was in 300, wasn't he? He was in 300 because he's the one that basically tells them the Narrates story it, and yeah. shows back up. Uh, he's also in uh, Van Helsing. Mate. I was going to say that is the other film where I'm like, <gasps> oh, yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings, 300, Van Helsing. <laughs> Everyone's got a death note. It does. Some people have got two. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, what his role is, is it's fine. It's acceptable. You know, it's his role to not be loved by his dad, which is fine because I want Sean Bean as well. <laughs> if, if you had, if you had Faramir and Boromir, like, go away, Faramir. <laughs> <laughs> go get some Chinese or something. I'm going to just like be with Boromir for a bit. John Noble. He's, I, as Denethor, he's brilliant because he's, what an asshole. He's, I did not see the, you know when he's trying to burn his son alive? Yeah, we've, we've, get over it. We've but all yeah. been there. And, <laughs> and then he sets himself on fire and throws himself off the top. Yeah. Like, spoilers, but... <laughs> but he goes for an arc very quick. He does. He does go very quick. What I love about it is, is his death as well is in no way dignified. He sets himself on fire, jumps off and jumps off the tallest, the tallest building. He's just like, Mwah. Yeah. And I was like, like, I imagine that's the best way to die. It's like falling to a painful death whilst on fire. There may as well have been sharks at the bottom. <laughs> Dynamite strapped to him. Yeah. And he's got disease. He, he's a great actor. He's a very, very kind of physical, thespian kind of actor. He's got that. He's, the problem with him, he's got an evil face. Just when you'll never be the lead in a rom com. Well, he he was in a TV show that I did watch called Fringe, and I watched, I watched like was he, the, was he a bad guy? No, he was <gasps> the he was the scientist that the wacky scientist that had all these revolutionary ideas, and it was like a straight lace. It was like the X Files, but imagine there were three of them. You know, so you had oh you no, had, I have heard you know, about this. Yeah, yeah. So you had the the believer, the non-believer. You still had that in Fringe, but the one of them had a dad who was this crazy scientist who had an experiment that could always get them to. Oh, you know, so you'd it. have like isolation chambers that would make them go in the mind of the killer, and that's how they'd solve the case. And it was, I, it was one of them where it was like, it's cool, but it's got to go somewhere now. And after like twenty episodes, I was like, I'm done with this now. He can't. It's like you know. Doctor Who's always got the sonic screwdriver to get him out of it. Yeah, it's like yeah. He's always got another experiment that he did twenty years ago. He's like, ah, oh, this one will save the day, like some weird Einstein. But he's one of the people again, very similar to um, David Wenham, who when he pops up in things, I'm like, there he is, and he looks good with long hair. He does look good with long hair. <clears throat> Tell you what though, he can eat fucking tomato in a vicious way, can't he? Oh, mate. mate, it's scary. I've never seen anyone eat tomatoes in such a passive aggressive way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we're done pretty much with actors, aren't we? And people in this, and we are probably missed no end of cameos, no oh, end of, of other yeah. roles. But I, I feel we've covered the majority, and we should probably get into some some storyline before yeah. before we have to break for a piece. That is on yeah. its way. That is, it needs yeah. to be, mate. And we are over an hour and ten, so we are making good time. But <laughs> no, we're not, mate. It's, it's about it's about to slow down. With Lord of the Rings one, I think we we've covered well Fellowship of the Rings. We have kind of covered in introducing the majority of these characters. You know, from Bag End, from the introduction of, of Frodo, meeting Gandalf, Milton Bil- meeting Bilbo, the ring. I like this as well with the ring. Like I've, I mean, my my your your thing, your theme already is kind of comparing the theatrical release to the DVD release. Yeah, mine is comparing this as watching it as a thirteen year old to someone in the thirties. I'm just yeah, saying that. fair enough. And for me, I always thought Gandalf in when I watched it the first time knew that oh shit, that's that ring that everyone's been looking for you know, Frodo, you're pure, you, you, it won't corrupt you or it'll corrupt you slower than man. So, you, you know, it's interesting in you. I definitely like rewatching it, realizing that actually he doesn't really know what it is. He reads the elfish on it. It's, he senses the evilness in it. The thing is though, that's fine. But then when, and I know it's not their fault, but then when you watch The Hobbit, 
the three films and you go, well, you should really fucking know it, shouldn't you, Gandalf? You're fucking getting old, mate. You're, like, you're forgetting that. But he also can't do it himself. I like that as well. Because my big question would have been, mate, you're a wizard. <laughs> Magic you do shit. it. Yeah. Just imagine if you put the ring on though, if, if a wizard put the ring on. Still don't. Do you know what? I've got a problem with the ring, especially in this first film. In this first film, um, Frodo offers it to three different people and all three of them turn it down. Mm. So he's, so I've actually got a problem with the ring. Does the ring like not that powerful then? Offers it to Gandalf. And he's like, oh, don't tempt me, Frodo, but still says no. Offers it to Aragorn. Aragorn clasps his hands and go, not for me. Offers it to Gladriel, who has a massive speech. He goes, I would be a beautiful queen and I would save the world. Still turns it down. Isn't it supposed to be like, fuck me. Should be like Boromir. It's just something that it's just, it's, do you know what? I don't is expect it, is it because Is it because the, the Hobbit is easier to corrupt? And the ring's overall goal is to no. actually turn the ring, turn it into someone who's going to take it to... Actually, it's the opposite. Sauron. The Hobbit is one of the most, is the, one of the hardest things to corrupt. The reason for that is because Sauron, when he made the ring, doesn't even consider Hobbits an actual race. There's a thing that we'll get onto when we get to the third one, which is why I really like the character of Samwell. But um, no... Samwise. I've done that several times. Haven't it's I? All right. I do apologise. Be a Gandalf, don't be an orc. I know, I know. Um, so I was, I always thought like the ring was a bit of a bitch in this first one. It was like, don't really do anything. <laughs> I completely forgot. They don't check the photo. Yeah. That is all. That, that, so going back to that practical effects thing and the, the, the magic of cinema, I love the Gandalf going in, you know, the, the Hobbit house, banging his heads, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, this guy, this guy takes shots throughout the whole thing. But when he hits his head on that wooden beam, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> and that scene when he's like, when, you know, when he kind of grows and it gets dark and, he, you know, and he's like, don't tempt me. And I'm like, that is great filmmaking. And this is another thing that I realized watching Lord of the Rings back this week is, is how much it reminded me of some of the films I grew up watching with like my nan and people like that around, you know, biblical movies, you know, or um, movies like the Sinbad Adventures or Jason yeah. the Argonauts had these feels of mythical beast and man and, you know, these kind of chaotic battles and stuff like that. And that's something that I really, really, really value from Lord of the Rings. But the whole premise of that first movie, this idea that, you know, the, you know, the creature that Sauron didn't even kind of think as a threat rests on that dude's yeah. shoulders. And I love, I, you know, I, 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 people might cringe at it, but I love the whole, if I take one more step, it's the furthest away I've ever been. And then Merry and Pippin are, are just, they just they get caught up because they're stealing carrots you know, you know, which apparently you could prison to death. It's not a pie, but <laughs> well, um, well, this all comes down to the beginning narrative where, well, you know, she explains the history of King like, oh, the ring um, betrayed Isildur, Isildur dies, and then you know it spends ages corrupting Gollum, turning it into a beast, and then she says, and then a thing happened that the ring didn't expect. It was picked up by a Hobbit because a Hobbit, like the ring itself, because it's got like the power of Sauron, is like, what the fuck is this? It was like, who are you? What's, what is going on? What is going on? Like, who are you? So it's a really cool idea that basically the ring then spends like the next few years of like, what? I don't know what's going on. Mm. Where's Sauron? That's really cool. But it's because of the reasons you just say, it's like a Hobbit as well has, like you said earlier, has no desire. And I think, and I've, I've jumped ahead now. That's why I like the character of Sam and why Sam never seems affected by the ring because he's happy where he is. He doesn't want power. He doesn't want to, he's like, mm. I want to marry Rosie. And I want to bang her and I want to have kids. Mm. And that's all I want. So, I so, mean, the ring, are, so the ring can't corrupt him because it's like, that's all he wants. He's like, well, fucking hell. There like, are a few times when he does want to finger Frodo's ring. Yeah. And, he, and you can see it in his eyes that he's he's thinking about <laughs> but it. But he could turn it down. He, he like, does. So I don't want to think about it. The, uh, the ring. But can I, can I just say as well, it's like we mentioned it, Gandalf like goes away, learns. 
it's like reading, reading all these scribes and everything, rushes back. Is it secret? Is it safe? You know, it's like, he starts an epic tale. He's like, right, meet me here. I'm going to fuck off now. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to Saruman. I love that. That, that, let's call it, let's call it leg one of the journey from Bag End and Hobbiton to meeting at the pub where they come in contact with Stryker. Um, yeah. you know, and where, um, we first meet, I've forgotten their names, the evil, um, ring the, the Nazgul. Yeah. Where we kind of get into that, and it, and it could be seen as in a you know two hundred and eighty odd million pound franchise that you know no, no money was really spent in these scenes of of getting four actors just running through fields, jumping on little ferries, going to pubs, and but it it's the start. It's you know it it it, it has to pace itself to the grand. It, it does, you know, stuff. And it just it's why I love all that. I love going to, and you know, and then you get the relief, you know, of uh, these coming pints. Yeah. You know, and they accidentally say that they're hobbits and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of draw a bit of attention to themselves. We then first see that if you if you put the ring on, you go invisible and you kind of get that that extra element to the storyline, you know, which kind of turns Striker or Aragon's kind of attention to them. As and then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and all the while, you, you, when Gandalf then reappears, it's only at that point where I'm like, where did he fuck off to? Because he <laughs> could have helped to mark the gate, you know what yeah. I mean? He went to go see Saruman, but that's not even the best bit, mate. The best bit is when he has a speech with him. Bear in mind that Frodo's just come back from the pub. He comes home and Gandalf's in his gaff and he's like, where is it, you bitch? Mm. And he shows him it. He's like, he burns it in the, burns it in the phone. He's like, it's still, he loved the fact that he says, I'm going to give this to you. Don't worry though. It's cold to the torch. He's still using pliers though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm 99% sure, but just for the sake of it, drops mm. in his hand. It's like, it's like, is anything written? And then he tells him, he's like, shit, it's the one ring. I, I like the character of Samwise, but why is he doing gardening like two in the morning? Something if for you, mate. He's, <laughs> Something if he, he does strike me as, you know, let's just say, and I'm not going to point the finger, some underwear has gone missing off washing lines. <laughs> oh, do you what? Right. Samwise, mate, is plummeting now. <laughs> the finger's made point, actually, let's be honest. What, um, and, then, and then going back to the bit, what I love about it is there's a, uh, so Aragon, they've been hunted by the Nazgul. So he's like, right, changes their hotel, changes their pub. So he sits in a room opposite mm. and he watches as the Nazgul break this room and stab these beds. It very synchronised. Very synchronised. What I love about this is, is that the Nazgul give up immediately. They yeah. go, I want this room. Fuck it, let's go home. Oh, shit. He doesn't, they don't turn, they don't look out the window and see a guy smoking a pipe and go, well, maybe it's them. <laughs> It's just, I'm great with that scene. He's like, shit, 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 shit. I, I, I think as well, given the number of them that there are, I do think like one of them should have been sacrificed for the mistake. That would have been badass, wouldn't it? It'd be like, Dave, you're fucked up. <laughs> Dave, They're not here. Dave of the mask. It's like, what you say? He's like, well, I tracked on Facebook. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, wait, wait. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, wrong room. That I love that oh, that whole that whole sequence and introducing our first member and you know building because the first movie is about building your squad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just so you could lose it at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, and then it does segue into finding the rest of your squad. And maybe is he, is Sean Bean's part in this part the most memed? Yeah, sequence. I think he's the most memed. Oh, and also just going back a bit as well. You know when you know when uh, he has fisticuffs with Sauron. Mm. And uh, and he's like, look, I don't, I'm not going to kill you because you're a bit of a brother to me. Us wizards, we kind of stick together. But yeah. I'm going to lock you, yeah, on the roof. Yeah, bit of a weird punishment. Also, don't know how he gets him on the roof because if he gets him on the roof, surely Gandalf can get down from the roof yeah. instead of like <laughs> sending an email via a moth. <laughs> and that's that, that's the, and, and I know this is, this comes from Family Guy, but there is that big thing, isn't there? Of, well, if he can do that and you can make an eagle or or, or whatever or summon eagles you know, that really would have helped Frodo on his journey. No. Is there ever a comeback to that? Uh, the Eagles are the most corruptible. 
So if you were to if you were to have the ring on them, the eagles would instantly turn into those uh, lizard things that the Nazgul ride. For the record, that's not true, but that's what I tell people because I'm like, shuts that down. No, no, that's right. <laughs> but it is. It's, Shut that down. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. It's not true in the slightest. It's made up. Right. Bullshit. So going into uh, that. No, so- no, wait. Sorry, just before that as well. It's right. So they're on Weathertop where, where Thingy gets stabbed because they're eating breakfast. Weathertop, listen to you. Because they're eating breakfast. Uh, yeah. They're eating dinner, which is really cool because it's like the other hobbits don't understand. And I really like that because I haven't been told the full extent. So there's a really good, it's like, you know, he's, he tries to stamp it out and they're like, but well, we're having tea. It's that, it's that blend of naivety and stupidity, isn't it, that you get? But the downside is, the Nazgul called proper shit, mate, because they show up and they're like, well, there's nine of us. We'll very slowly try and take out four hobbits. Like, I've got no skills whatsoever. And then, and then Aragorn shows up or Strider mm. and he throws fire at him. It's like, oh my God, fine. I never thought of this shit. Shit the bed. They fucking leg it. Mm. And then later, Arwen shows up. In, this, in an action scene, you know, she's running through the meadows, she's trying to save him. The Nazgul never, the Nazgul stood in a stream. <laughs> and they're, they're surprised by the revelation that water. I just think, you're fucking idiots. You are the bumbling henchman from like 100 Modern Dalmatians. It's like, bring me this hobbit. They look badass. They do look badass, but they're fucking idiots. You've got to remember, Skeletor looked the business, but didn't act it. That's true. I never thought of that. The old Skeletor rule. Yeah, I, good I, point. Good point, mate. I I, I, I love that whole um, that whole movie. Uh, yeah, you're right. The is it the uh, chainmail, the kind of impenetrable? Mm. Um, oh, mithril, mithril. Yeah, mm. that's cool. Light as a feather, but strong as oak. It is, and that's that is, is like yeah, that's really cool. The sword that lights when orcs are in sting uh, trolls. Yeah, yeah. You've I, seen it before because yes, because it's Bilbo sword. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hey, look at you. That's from the two towers. But you are you are the you're the knowledgeable one in this one. I, right? Do you know what? I'm not even knowledgeable <clears> compared to like some of our friends who are who are already turning this mm. episode off in discuss. It's like it's it's pronounced Mitral or whatever. <laughs> what what about our round table scene then? So our, our, our probably our most kind of um I loved it. Yeah, yeah I like that bit. It slows uh, down, it's it's there it for just, it's the anchor point of the first movie. But you need it. And but what I really like I really like everything about it. In the books, it's one of the most boring chapters in the history of the world. I'm sorry, people, but it is. And I thought it was sponsy quick, but also at the same time slow. Mm. It gets what you need. You need the information. You need to sit everyone needs to sit down and need to spend a lot of time learning. You know, what is the plot? Where do we go from here? It sets up the next film. Sorry, sets up the rest of the film brilliantly. Is a fantastically Put, for what it is, which is a slow scene, it's fast-paced. It's exactly what it needs to be. And I say fast-paced, you know, a fucking dragon doesn't show up, but they, they, they speak in storyline terms succinctly and passionately. You learn, like, you, the ring can't be destroyed, for example. You learn everything you need to know. It's like, where do we go from here? We need to go to Mount Doom. And ultimately, we realise that Gandalf has no plan, which I really like. He's gathered everyone. They're trying to find out what to do with it. And then when Frodo says he will take the ring to Mordor, he's like, Buck is like, ah, oh, why did you say that? But at the same time, what was his plan? Mm. Shows kind of like Gandalf the Great is quite weak, as in he doesn't he doesn't have a plan. He's like, I thought, Bucky, I thought the elves were going to sort this. I'm bollocksed. <laughs> that, I, I love that scene when, it, when you're right. It kind of gives you the storyline that if you have nodded off, gone to the toilet, whatever, it's like, you know, you cannot be destroyed. You, you're going to need these people. <laughs> Can I just say as well, it's like when you're God or something and you're creating this world, you're like, we'll have Isengard or we'll have, you know, we'll call it Middle Earth or we'll, the uh, Numenir. Oh, you know, Rohan, Gondor. Oh, you know, Bazadoom. That's a good one. And you're like, well, oh, fuck it, Mountain Doom. It's like, fuck, I don't care. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, that's it. That's it. Marvel figures, right? Like, who's the villain, Doctor Doom? <laughs> it's just like, oh, that'll do. It's just like, it's like they were running out. It's like, yeah. I don't need to go home. It's, it's my it's, kid's birthday. It's not going to be a charity worker, is it? 
<laughs> just like fucking meltdown. Always pissed me off because that's the only thing that stands out for me. They're, they're talking. It's like, what shall we do, Gandalf? I don't know. Boromir, son of Denethor, brother of Faramir. It's like, I know. Let's take that Mount Doom. And just like, oh. And then everyone's like, oh, look at you. A fellowship. And it, I just sort of is like, oh, got it. Did it, it should have come off in the screen. Just like a fellowship. <laughs> they should have all just looked at the camera and winked. Yeah, like, it sort of goes, oh, that's the title of the movie. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah, did, that, did you get it though? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah did. I, I then like all the kind of mountain passing scenes. You know, kind of go over it, go around it, go through it, all that kind of stuff. The sweeping and one of the characters we haven't talked about yet is New Zealand. You know? Oh, I do you want know, the humans ruined that though, didn't they? Because New Zealand looks phenomenal, and then we as a species went and destroyed it by oh, this is a bit from a film. I hate people. It's such oh, dicks. I did go to Hobbiton. I think that's the second time in this podcast history where we've broke for food. I don't even remember the first. It's been a while. I think we did do it once when we used to podcast with Sam and the three of us. We ordered a pizza and time was of the essence. Oh no, I think last time we ended the show because the pizza arrived. We were just like, done. <laughs> we, uh, in the Christmas episode, we, we, I put on a face. We we had a recorded break. <laughs> where we... I ate a lot of mince pies in that show. Yeah, you did. Well, we'll just, just ate uh, the majority so of a cheese pizza. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is now we can have like that second... Feel it's just like, um, mm, well, could nap now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been on screen. <laughs> but no, <laughs> that was a finger, that one. Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, in true fashion as well with the podcast, not even going to listen back and find out where we're up to. I believe you were just talking about Hoverton, and I think I referenced, I actually went when I was in New Zealand. It's a good time. Yeah, oh, they were slagging off people. You said the state of New, uh, the country of New Zealand was great, and was I was having to go because uh, all the visitors have gone and kind of destroyed Polluted it. Polluted it. Polluted it, yeah. Sorry to have done that, James. Yeah, but did you pollute it? No, no, exactly. no. I, 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 I went on a Sunday, so a lot of it was short, so we only kind of got to see a bit. No, of it. it's, it's more of those people like, you know, like, then I, I know you, so I know that you didn't like mm. climb the endangered trees and piss about like Instagram people. Yeah, no, I just did that in Sherwood when yeah, I found obviously. Robin Oster. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, going back to that first movie then, there is it, the sense of it. My favourite bit, I think, of the movie is when they decide to pass through the caves. Yeah. which Because there are three amazing set scenes. I forgot altogether about the sea creature that's boding them in. You know, it's like, mm. well, we don't know what's in there and it's probably dangerous, but we certainly know what's behind us and that is really fucking dangerous. So let's go in the cave. Yeah, that's cool. It, I like there's a certain there's in the video games you get to fight that thing. It's literally just tentacles with ice. It's awesome. Very like out of the realms of like Hercules and stuff like that. But what do you uh, what do you get when you're in there as well? You get Gandalf the Grey. Who let's be honest, Gandalf the White's got got a mission. It's like right, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Gandalf the Grey doesn't have a fucking clue. He's like, uh, he's just like I don't know where I am. <laughs> it's like he's checked his phone. It's like fucking Google Maps giving him fuck all. He's like I don't know. Um, then they come across a balanced tomb. Uh, Balan, obviously, uh, Ken Stotts, a uh, dwarf from the Hobbit uh, franchise. And I love this. Gimli now, he's like, he's, he gets really angry because he's like, oh my God, my cousin's dead. He's picking it up. He's like, my men are here. We're going to drink. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. Didn't check the like the feel of the room when he yeah. went in. But, but what I love is the school's over it. And then when, they, when they're heading towards the tomb, he's like, he runs in. He's like, oh my God, he's dead. It was like, yeah, have you not been fucking looking around, you fucking idiot? <laughs> Everyone's dead. And then they, um, then they get that uh, cliche. They read the book. It's like, the way you're shut you know, the days gone. And then the guy literally died, like, as he was writing it. And I just remember thinking, so so someone was stabbing him. It's like, wait, I've got to finish this line. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> what a cock. That, that whole scene, though, is great, isn't it? The whole where, where Pippin kind of throws the armour down the well and it releases 
maybe the first big set piece, you know, with um, Cave Trolls or Cave Trolls, yeah. Or attacking. The, the, you know, the gigantic ones as well, which I remember, like, I used to collect the Lord of the Rings figurines and mm. that was one of my favourite because I think he still had like the arrows sticking out of him. That's cool. From Legolas and stuff. Um, but I loved all that scene and then the, the kind of the danger of it, you know, the, the weather and the elements outside, but inside, you know, that's where the real danger's lying. And then of course, fucking Gandalf, mate, takes one for the team. Uh, against the Balrog, I'll be honest, like, the Balrog looked impressive. Fucking does, It mate. still looks impressive. He's brilliant. Yeah. I remember seeing that big screen and being like, what the fuck is that? Mm. Just seems to be like fire demon. It's like fire hate. Just it hates everything. Mm. It's it phenomenal. Fly you fools! It's like I, he did fly, mate. I, my soul died. <laughs> He's got a whip, man. You I'll don't see many fire demons with whips. I mean, I actually forgot that Gandalf came back. So when he died, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence is great. And then, you know, because you need that as well, don't you? You need that as a trial that your heroes are going to go through when your strongest member gets taken out mm. or your most wise or your most potentially most powerful, the one who kind of knows what's going on or maybe has greater insight than any of the others. Now take him out. You are lost and you're too far to turn back because literally the door is closed. You yeah. have to keep moving forward. It's a great mechanic. It is going to be very sad. And do you want know the acting there is pretty spot on? You know, they scream out Gandalf and he's he's hanging on the edge and he's like, and then the like the warriors of the fellowship move them along. It's like we've got to get out of here. Mm. It's fucking hard. And then obviously there's an army of orcs. They're like, they're not pissed about it. Because the Balrog's dead, there's nothing stopping them from firing them with a thousand fuck ton of arrows. It's it's fucking heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. Get on the other end of that. Meet a fucking elf queen who gives it big in. She's talking to you. She's like, hello, how are you? How are the kids? But in your mind, she's like, I'm going to fuck you up. Mm. It's like everyone you know in the Shire is dead. <laughs> you're, a, you're a scumbag. There's <laughs> loads of good bits in the first movie. I think it's my favourite one out of the three. Do you want, you're always a big fan of the, of the, the, origin. the setter. Yeah. The, it sets everything up very well. Yeah. And I don't think you can do much wrong. I think Fellowship of the Ring, as, a, as an origin story, if you will, for the mythos of, of Tolkien's like, vision... Brilliant. Mm. Shire, brilliant. You get the vastness. The characters are so well. You immediately understand that Sauron's a dickhead. <laughs> he wants everyone dead. If you want to have a good time, head to the Shire. Think everything, the Shire. everything, everything I think is actually quite well settled in that first film. Don't disagree with you. And obviously ends with Boromir's death and the breaking of the fellowship. The creation of the orcs as well, because obviously uh, Sauron needs an army. Well, uh, they're not orcs, they're Urukai. So this is, well, this is what I was going to ask, because... <laughs> Because this plays into the second movie when they end, see the destruction of the trees and the mm. kind of the destruction of mankind, you know, which has kind of got the themes throughout this movie, isn't it? There, there's lots of, you know, mixed messages in this. And biblical, obviously, Tolkien was a devout Christian mm. uh, and war hero, and you know, but also there is the the questions of man destroying Earth, and you certainly get those that imagery in this when you see the torn down um forest but in i think in the hobbit more you see the kind of how they're born and, and mm. forged out of hate and, and yeah. whatever was your kind of like they were once elves mm. they're like marinated under a tree for a couple of thousand years it's how long it is yeah, something like that yeah and it, hence you know kind of like how marmite's made yeah bring to a boil um, about uh, 220 in the oven cool. gas mark five mm. or 180 if you haven't got gas mark. assisted uh we seasoned Mm. Um, and then I don't fucking know to us. Urukai, Saruman uses Urukai. Sauron uses uh, orcs. Yeah, that's all you need to know. They get a Billy Bass one though to take everyone out. Uh, obviously, that famous scene where Oregon, uh, <laughs> the state of Oregon, <clears throat> Aragon um, uh, f uh, swipes a knife out of midair. 
that actually happened. The the actor was let go of it by mistake and it was actually heading to Viggo Morton. And when he takes it out of midair, that's that's true. I heard about that as All a of this film trivia. What I love about this is, this <clears> is quite clearly, Peter Jackson got paid by someone who's like, can you kill Viggo? We're going to like an accident. <laughs> and Viggo just kept surviving. It was like, for fuck's sake. Now I'm Throwing gonna have to, him off cliffs, doing now, all sorts. Now I'm going to have to make Lord of the Rings. Otherwise people are going to know I was trying to kill Viggo Morton. By the end of it, they're like, look, you've probably got an insurance claim. Do you want that horse? <laughs> Did he take the horse? He did. Ta- he took several horses. Because <laughs> one of them is... That's one such of, a Vigo thing to do. It is a Vigo thing. Would you have a cuddy kid Vigo? Because, because I mm. wouldn't because of the villain from Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But from Vigo Morrison. You know what? There's not many Vigos about. No, it does sound like a like 1980s like snooker player. Or Otis Gumbag. <laughs> Just, your, kid, your kid would be bullied by or, someone or, called Vigo. Or successful uh, actor. You know, either one of those. But yeah, I, I think the, the the kind of amalgamation of those, I'm going to bookend the first movie because mm. I'm conscious you're going to pick it up by some Lord of the Rings dad jokes. Okay, good. So I've done this in previous episodes, uh, normally where we've got a guest, where I try and make you laugh with some of the internet's just most terrible puns. And I've got 10 of them here. <sighs> the problem is I'd love a pun. You well, know I love a pun. See, if you laugh at any of these, okay. an elf dies. No, actually. <laughs> no, actually. One, one dead. <laughs> Please let it be our win. <laughs> I had a dream that I wrote Lord of the Rings. Mm? I was talking in my sleep. <laughs> That's one dead. <laughs> I once threw a party for hobbits. It was only a little get together. Oh, quite proud of myself for that one. You, you got a smile, mate, but the smiles don't count. Apparently, Gollum was a man, and the ring took away his youth, joy, and happiness. Must be the same ring I put on on my wedding day. <laughs> fucking, do you know what the thing is? Well, I saw it coming. <laughs> I fucking saw it coming. <laughs> They're the worst ones. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Willis is set to star in the next Lord of the Rings spin-off. Old Hobbits Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> the, these are more the Christmas cracker ones. So there are a couple of <clears throat> Christmas cracker ones in here. Oh. So this one you should, you know. What did Gandalf and my old math teacher say? I don't know. You shall not pass. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this about you, James, but you starred in Lord of the Brown Rings. You played Dildo Gaggins. <laughs> That's fucking <clears throat> destroyed me. <laughs> How do you know a hobbit's died? Um, I, I don't know. How do you know a hobbit's died? You read the hobbit trays. John, mate, if there was ever a joke written specifically for me, it was that one. <laughs> that's a fucking cracker. That is, that's brilliant. I'm actually going to use that as parties. <laughs> what happens if uh, you cross Freddy Krueger in Lord of the Rings? You guess, I don't know. A nightmare on a helmet's deep. <laughs> what kind of STD do you get from Lord of the Rings? Wait, wait. No. Gondoria. <laughs> I was going to go with like ring ache. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh, do you know Lord of the Rings has every uh, movie cliche in it? Yeah. Except for the Tolkien black man. <laughs> that, <laughs> that one. <laughs> 
That one you don't know whether to laugh at or, or kind of question. Um, because it is probably the uh, the question nowadays, isn't it? Is that it's not a diverse cast. It's it's not, but I don't think that would ever play a role in the story. So it's always, they probably should have. <clears throat> oh, fucking hell. I'm going to hand I over didn't, to you. I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. I laughed at everyone but one. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, I bit my tongue at that one as well. But I'm actually going to have you, I'm going to read these later and write <laughs> some of them down. <laughs> so... But well, the thing is, this episode is going to be over two hours long, so I'm not going to be able to get the movie, the uh, sound clip from this one. But all right, okay. Um, fucking hell. Do you know what? I had a little thing as well, but I might save that. Save that for the end of the second movie. Yes. Before we go into the third. Right, the two towers. The two towers released on the 18th of December 2002, nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Art Direction, Best Editing, and Best Sound. It won two. Was for sound editing and visual effects, nominated for way more, including Golden Globes, British Academy Film Awards. Uh, this I get really annoyed because the Saturn Awards uh, nominated and gave the award for best supporting male actor to Andy Serkis, which is something I agree with. It was kind of ignored by the other ones. It pees me off. The film introduces several new characters as the story moves away from the Shire and towards the realms of men and Mordor. In lieu of a previously type beginning, which the studio was really pushing for, Jackson preferred to start with the death of Gandalf showing his fall from the bridge. But this time, instead of dying and going splat at the bottom, he somehow ends up on a mountaintop and fights a Balrog. That is fucking badass. That's metal as fuck, you mate. Don't, you don't know how much you want to see that. It's really cool. If, if I were to describe it to you, Gandalf falls down a ledge, catches up with a sword, which he didn't realise he dropped, mm. and then stabs Balrog as they fall into infinity. Actually, it's pretty cool. It is pretty badass. And that, that I imagine, as fantasy lovers those that read or, or play fantasy games. I imagine that image of a wizard <laughs> fighting a fire demon on a mountaintop is like... Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Um, the story is split into three parts, each focusing on a different group of characters. So that's how I'm going to run through so we don't get confused with timelines and everything like that. So let's start off. Frodo and Sam are lost in their quest to find Mount Doom, coming across the same environment again and again. One oh, night... They don't know where it is. No. It's, it's that big really, place with the evil swirl above it. That's why I don't understand. It's like, it's, it's you can see it from fucking miles away, but the closer you get, mate, invisible. <laughs> it's, it's an optical illusion. Um... Then again, one night they wake up and uh, the creature Gollum has attempted to steal back the ring. Uh, basically, Gollum is now a main cast member. He plays a huge part, especially in the following two movies. A deal is struck between the Hobbits and Gollum and basically Gollum will show them the way to Mordor and Frodo will destroy the ring and release them both from its power. So, we've got a reason for Gollum. The, the problem is though, you're an idiot if you trust Gollum. You're, oh, like, yeah. you're just like, yeah, 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 I'll take your word for it. He looks, he looks trustable he with his little... You're judging people. <laughs> yeah, you're judging people on their looks. He's like half sheet sack covering up his genitals. Well, funnily enough, Sam distrusts the creature and has an adversarial relationship with Gollum while Frodo tries to see the good in him because Gollum represents the future for Frodo and saving Gollum, or Schmeagol as he begins to call him, in, he will save himself. So it's kind of like, the ring has done this to him. It will do this to Frodo. He needs, he needs Gollum to live. So that he can live, so that there's saving himself. Nearing Mordor, they are stopped by Faramir, the boring brother of fallen fellowship member Boromir, and are taken prisoner. Oh, twin should have been Sean Bean. <laughs> should have been Sean. Bean. Should have been. Should have been Sean Bean. Because that would have made the third film even better. When when Denethor hates Boromir, when hates Faramir, but he's just like he could just go, no, no, I'm Boromir. Yeah, <laughs> just like yes. And you could have had all them awkward bits where it's like Boromir, no Boromir. Oh, um. Basically, Boromir takes him uh, prisoner. Frodo has to lie to Schmeagol, but that's to save his life. So he's like, Schmeagol, come here and nothing bad will happen. Heartbreaking. 
But basically, sensing the power of the ring, Faramir's plan is to take the ring back to Gondor and use it as a weapon to save the city of Minas Tirith. Just like his brother. Just like his brother. So now they're in Osgilith, Osligard, Osle, I don't know. Mm. That place. That place. Um, That city is attacked. Faramir recognises he's a bit of a wrongin', so he sends the trio on their way. But now, Shmigo feels betrayed and he has a plan to take the hobbits to the cave where he can deal with them, where she can deal with them. That is epic. I know it did happen to the third movie. Yeah, no, but still. That is epic. Can I just say as well that I really love about this, one of my favourite things about this is I hate, I hate grand speeches in films because they're always like, we're going to die until the main character gives a speech and then we'll all be fine and we'll win. Sam gives a speech while Frodo is like stood on top of a tower in a city that's been attacked by Naz, uh, the Nazgul. Even like the Nazgul's like this close to getting Frodo again. Still can't get him though, thus proving the ring race are shit. <laughs> um, but Samuel gives a speech about why they're doing this. It's for the good of uh, good of Middle Earth. And it's intersected with all the battles that are happening at the time. And do you know what? It's actually a very powerful speech. I, it, I give it props because it's a speech that genuinely makes you listen. And you're like, yes. It's it's better than, because the, the, the other key speeches in this, and it, there's at least two, twice it happens, is before a fight scene and mm. you've got the front horseman you know, going backwards and forwards, rallying up the troops. And it screams Braveheart, Mel Gibson, shouting freedom kind of stuff. It's, and I know that they've probably, you know, it's been in cinema longer than that, but though that it feels like a, a trope in cinema, whereas you're right, I think the Sam bit, it feels more organic and needed for the storyline. <clears throat> what I know I'll get onto it now, actually, but I, I think it's a really great way to frame the story. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, kind of like a recap. It's like, we come from The Hobbit. Mm. Uh, we come from Bag's End in Hobbiton, you know, I think it frames this ends the second film quite well. I, I really like it. I think I don't know about you, and it's nothing we've talked about. My favorite storyline is the Sam and Frodo one because I like the different layers. That to me is my favorite. You know, when we when we're in there, I'm all about that. There, there, there is a bit in this as well where they use their cloaking device to hide as a rock. Right, yeah, because that's given to them by Gladriel in the first, they get given gifts, yeah. including a light, which will, which, which at the time you're like, why is that? Oh, mm. But it does actually show up in the third one. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, th- there is that part as well where you like, I like it when you see once again, the hobbits, the, the most um, humble of creatures, the harmless ones using their, those their skills, you know, and kind of going undetected or, you know, doing those bits and pieces. I, because here's the other film and, TV show that this reminds me of. The Borrowers. I fucking love The Borrowers. I do, yeah. You're a naughty girl, Harrietty. Jim Broadbent, mate, in that movie, owned it. But I was always a big fan of the villain, but that's because it's John Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I loved that, you know, that, um, again, magic of making people smaller on screen and bigger props and all that kind of stuff. And the, the Jim Broadbent could have been Gandalf. Fuck yes, he could. Sorry, mate. I, did you know what I was Jim saying Jim Broadbent could have been everyone in this. Everyone yes. good. Sorry. Anyway, I do apologize. Karen. No, no. And, and that, and that exact moment when they had under that blanket, that uh, that sheet <clears throat> cloak, I was like, borrowers. I remember the borrowers. <laughs> I used to love that shit growing up. I agree. That's actually a really good show. Yeah, I, I love. I, I really like the second movie. I, I know we're going to talk about the other storylines, but Helm's Deep was like everyone loved Helm's Deep. Well, what I love about Helm's Deep the most is that um, it's, I think it's the first time I've ever seen a battle like that come to life. The longest battle, isn't it, in cinema history? <laughs> Oh, was it? Oh, I didn't know it had been that. I think that. it is, yeah. Oh, isn't 300 the longest one? Fucking 300 goes, oh, I don't like 300. I love it when I'm a 15-year-old watching mm. it, but now that I'm a 35-year-old man, Oh, yeah, I'm that like, movie doesn't age well. It's like, oh, shit. Um, 
well, I'll tell you what, it does it really well because I'd never seen a grand, you know, we mentioned earlier Braveheart. Braveheart, in comparison, doesn't look epic. It looks like 30 people in a field in mm. Sheffield just hitting each other. Whereas this, I know they use CGI and they use graphics and everything, but it genuinely looks like an army of orcs mm. fighting an army of men in a shithole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah, my, um, so my wife Emily, when she joined, like she sat in on it and she when she saw the battle scene, she went, fucking, she literally said out loud, it's like, that's a lot of people. It was mental. Yeah, it does look massive doesn't it yeah and i like that i like that that you know the centerpiece is a hobbit with a ring just a simple storyline and all this is going on in the background you know that he's oblivious to or maybe subconsciously aware that there's a bigger story going mm. on but they're all fighting for the good and the savior of their race weirdly the two the two hobbits on the quest are removed a lot from what's happening because of the quest mm. because they're in mordor like behind enemy lines they don't see that humans are fighting you know for their lives they they're, they're unaware of it but they're greatly affecting it. So that's Behind really cool. enemy lines. What a great, because it is, that is it. And there's not an Owen Wilson to be seen. That's amazing, isn't it? It's so good. Anyway, the second story, and I know you like the second part of the story, revolves around the other two hobbits, Merry and Pippin. There you go. They were taken by a gang of Saruman's Urukai. Don't ask me. The two eventually escape when the gang of Urukai are attacked by a gang of rebel Rohim. They are horsemen of Rohan, humans, men. Mm. I'm going to say humans, and I mean men, because it specifically mentions the realm of men. Um, they escape into Fangorn Forest, where they meet Treebeard. Yeah, they do. Ents, mate. An ent, or giant living tree thing. <laughs> they are, if I was in this, I'm not a hobbit, I'm an ent. <laughs> they are such, wicked. You're such an ent. I just love it. <laughs> that whole sequence as well, I love, uh, Merry and Pippin are, are also really good characters to interact with the ents, because they I'll are- be honest, I love Marion Pippin. Yeah. Because they, they, they're taking the piss. They are the slapstick too out of yeah. the group. And so they work really well with the Ents. And the only bit that doesn't go in its favour is when Aragon later turns up and he's like, there was a scuffle. There was a fight. They freed themselves. They ran into the woods. It's like, wow. Wouldn't it be great? Wow. Wouldn't it be great if there was, if he said that and then there was a, an orc and he just went, oh no, we killed them. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> and he pointed, it was just these corpses just literally just, off screen. One of them's just chomping on a, like, a massive <laughs> hobbit foot. I would have fucking loved that. I, but I like the end bits. And I know it's skipping forward and backwards, but like their discussions, it's like, we take our time. I just love that. They look great as well. That, that's that like stop motion, that kind of prosthetic and practical effect stuff that I absolutely love. The only thing that does, doesn't work is it's got the second most green screen when Mary and Pippin are and it's walking. Yeah. But do you know what? It's green screen. I'm going to give it a pass this time. <laughs> Later on when they're fighting though, when one of them gets shot on fire. I, and they, I and, specifically mentioned that one. Yeah. And then when all that water comes, he's like, hey! he just runs in the water. <laughs> well, did you know they convinced Treebeard that they are allies and they tried to convince him and all the other Ents to take part in the upcoming war. Because why wouldn't you? They're fuck off trees. Mm. The Ents refuse. Oh, they don't want to get involved in the Wars of Man. So the Hobbits asked to be taken home via Isengard, where they witnessed the deforestation caused by Saruman's war industrialization. And motherfucker, it is on. It is on, mate. And also, what is more, what's more degrading as an end than being shot with an arrow made out of one of your brethren? Mate, I never even thought about that. That's like, that's like someone attacking me with your foot. <laughs> it, would, it would be it's like... It's for me and you. Yeah. <laughs> But also brazen as fuck by the person doing it. Metal. <laughs> um, something is about to happen that hasn't happened for an age. The Ents are going to fuck shit up. <laughs> Although they say they're going to war. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> it's like, let's fuck them off. <laughs> um, which they win. Yeah. They win the Battle of Isengard. Easily. 
Extra points if you spot the tree on fire, giving yourself a much-needed bath. I love that. He just fucking balls into that room. I'm on fire, lads. Get out of the way. What fucking brilliant planning. So you're you're fucking Sauron, man. You're like, right, right. We've sided with Sauron. You know, we've fucked everything up. The tree's going to wait us. Mm. Build a dam. Oh, and by the way, nothing can happen to that dam because if it does, we're all yeah. fucked. I can't swim. <laughs> I know magic, but I can't swim. And then what you get is you essentially get Ents bum rushing a dam. Yeah. <laughs> so quickly, he's not got a plan if we do the dam. <laughs> that that bit is great with the use of models. And, and I know that there's a lot of VFX in this, but you know the, the use of that is, is obviously miniaturized models as the dam. And it looks great. And it's blended in so well with all the effects. And, and you know, and as all that water rushes on screen, Christopher Lee leaves apparently. Because <laughs> see ya. Uh, actually, he stays on there for a very long time. He just stays up there. Rumor is he's still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you don't even get a throwback scene where you go back to him and he's like playing a board game on his own or something. In the extended court of Return of the King, mate, he's just stood up there. <laughs> <laughs> just looking out of the ends, like We're, giving him the finger. Like, fuck well, you. But the end, they, the ends won't let him come down. But... <laughs> But they, they still leave him at the top, which I assume just means that he pisses and shits over the sides. Because <laughs> that's the only thing real. Or he's a wizard, he don't need to. Yeah. Or he can magic himself a toilet, but but that would suggest a level of magic that he's not shown throughout <laughs> this entire film. Um, really do like the scenes when it cuts to um, Christopher Lee and he's just like, especially in uh, Fellowship of the Ring, when he's having a conversation with Sauron through the Palantor, basically a mobile phone. Mm. Uh, and he's just like, build me an army. I love that, build me an army worthy of Mordor. And I love the fact that in the second film, they re-show that exact same sequence, <laughs> but they add wargs, mate. They are the shittest looking thing in the three films. They Which are the wargs? The wargs are basically the orcs. The orcs ride him and they come up into the next storyline. You know, they're, they're riding their version of horses, basically. Right, not the elephants then, because they look badass in that third movie. No, they're, no, no. These are, these are the words, they look shit in this film. Mm. Like, he, anyway, I do like it when you see, he just cuts the ceremony, he's doing shit. It's mm. like, or when um, Agreement asked him how he's going to bring down the wall at Helm's Deep. It's like, how can, uh, how can uh, fire undo stone? He's always talking about the invention of gunpowder, but that's really cool, because he's like, you'd need an army that's huge. And then like Saruman just walks him out into ledges like it was like bitch, please. Mm. <laughs> it's just like look at his army. And Grimm's like, I didn't see these. It's like maybe open your fucking eyes, then Grimm, you did. <laughs> anyway, he's done. The third story shows Aragon, Legolas, and Gimli pursuing the band of Urukai to save Merry and Pippin. They meet Ema. Carl Urban, what's going on here? Who explains what happened, and then they do fucking what I've called Luthering here, where they just where they just get everything straight away. They uh, Sherlock it up, yeah. as you said earlier. Um, what's really good as well is that Mary and Pippin leave like little clues as to where they're going, and it's lucky that those clues somehow show the exact direction where they're going because they always leave the clues when they're stood still. So what's to stop the other guy just going anywhere else? There is one of them as well where they find, and I'm like, what are the odds that they found that? It is, yeah. yeah. Although another thing as well is like, um, I remember this being big on the internet when he says, uh, good news boys, meat is back on the menu after the Urukai chain uh, turn on the Uruk, uh, mm. the Orcs. And everyone's like, well, how do the Urukai know what menu is? I'm going to put it out there. That taverns exist. Taverns would put on a menu, uh, spot launch, there'd be a menu there. How do the Urukai know? I don't know. Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Wizard. That's how they knew. And you know, there's a plowman's lunch on there. <laughs> It's definitely on that tavern's menu. Definitely plowman's. A form of, a form of pie. Yeah. Maybe something like Curry Tuesday. <laughs> Six for two. Yeah. Six pounds. You get two. Not good ones though. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. Microwaved no. in the back, but. Right. Basically, they 
decide the fellowship going to the forest to save the hobbits. There they encounter the white wizard, Shire Surprise. There he is. <laughs> it's only Gandalf returned to the living to save Middle Earth. That's good. Yeah, he's kind of had his Brazilian, hasn't he? He's just come he back and he's much better. <laughs> he, he's so much better. He's like, oh, I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to get lost in a fucking... Look at this white stick. <laughs> um, basically, then they head to Rohan to save Theoden from Saruman's control, which they do. King Theoden takes his people to Helm's Deep to save them from the coming Urukai army. This is my favourite speech. I put this up there with Sam's. He basically wakes. He's like this crooked old man and he wakes from his slumber so he kind of like gets the life back in. His beard disappears. Scene, it's yeah. really cool. But he also gives a speech about how a child shouldn't die uh should never live to see the death of their children. It's really, it's really gets you in the heartstrings. It's really good. And weirdly, it's not even his best speech. Um, the actor who I've written at the top here, um, who plays Theodore and Bernard Hill, I think he's phenomenal. I think he's actually, I think he's up there next level. His speeches that he gives and just his all, his prowess around the film is, his gravitas. It gives, it gives a panache to a character. I don't really care about that much. I, do you know what? Theodore quickly becomes my favourite character in the second film because He's not afraid to make mistakes. He's not afraid to be a dick. You know, he's like, where was Gondor? Gondor can fuck itself in the third movie. And his fate is, is, is the moment he becomes uncursed, his fate is sealed in that he will be the king figure that Aragorn, eventually Aragorn mm. is going to take. So you kind of know as well where his character is going to go. Um, and so basically as these, as they, uh, they, they piss off the Helm's Deep, Gandalf leaves and don't worry about it. He'll return on the third day. D- don't worry about it. <laughs> So the rest travel. Aragorn gets his flirt on with the king's niece, Eowyn, who won't leave him the fuck alone, <laughs> despite mm. the fact he quite clearly's like, I've got someone, yeah. leave us alone. Oh, and she's a bit plain, but... but... She won't fucking leave you alone, mate. You've got two in the back. He then falls off a cliff during a raid, which is a bit silly, but don't worry, because after a pouring scene with Arwen, Aragorn is fine. Yeah. <laughs> he sees the Uruk army and arrives at Helm's Deep. The Fellowship have a bit of an argument, which is really cool. Like, So imagine this. You're a, they've armed all the old men and the young children. Say you're an eight-year-old boy and I've just fitted you with a helmet that doesn't fit because there's a lot of that slow motion people getting equipment that doesn't fit worries them. Mm. Uh, and then, and then, mate, the three main characters, two of them are speaking a language you don't understand. And then the one that you do understand breaks out and goes, I will die as one of them. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, let's rewind. <laughs> let's hear all that conversation again in English, you prick. Um but it doesn't matter because they're covered in plot armor. So um, they decide to find Elrond, 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 Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, sends an army of elves to help him fight. Doesn't The fight is on, mate. Um, so it's a great battle. It's a huge battle. It's, it's quite possibly cinema's greatest battle, I would argue. It's phenomenal. Mm. Lots Seems of layers great. to it. Lots of layers, lots of, even an analogy they say to the terrorist attacks, you know, when someone suicide bombs their way in, mm. I think it was, if this was released in 2003, I don't know if that was actually a direct, to me, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a story about how much hate will go to, to kill you. It's a great story. There's even a funny bit when they're all kind of like sat there in the rain and an old man loses grip and an arrow goes and kills one of them. And then he just say, hold. <laughs> <laughs> Love shit like that. People die. They introduced, they introduced an elf guy who dies pretty quick. Yeah. Which is, which is quite sad. It's all going off, mate. They're going to win. It's all lost. They're, they're holed up in a room. They're going to go out like men. They're going to go out like heroes. They're going to open the doors and they're just going to charge out there. So they do. Somehow, they get into the middle of the battlefield and not one of them's dead. So that's lucky. But what day is it? It's the third day. Mate, this look, battle's been going on. Look to the right, because Gandalf shows up with Emo and the band of kick-ass horsemen and they save the day. They may have won the battle, 
but the war <laughs> has just begun. Yeah, we Gandalf rides down the hill on that horse as well. Mate, I, I would, of all the things, that would scare me the most. I'm like, I'm going to fall off, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to fall off. I'm going to look like a pillock because I'm at the front. And also, who rides at the front? I'd be like the guy that's like, oh, my horse has got a stitch. Well, he learns I'll, I'll come back in a second. Because later on in the third movie, Gandalf ain't at the front, mate. He's like, he's like hold your own, I'm going to be at the back. I've got you, boys. <laughs> in the third film, he does disappear for a bit when, like, Merrin's comes up and he goes, oh, no, it's Pippin. He's like, oh, something's happened at the top. He's like, oh, fuck it, I saw it. No, mm. we won't send guards. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you hold the fort, mate. First movie, he's like, you're just a hobbit. Last one, he's like, gear up, son. <laughs> Get the shank in. Um, I love the second one. I think the second one might be my favourite. Yeah. It's I, got the right breakdown. I like, I because I'm more gifted towards the side of Frodo and Sam, that's where I go. Mm. I, their story's the best in the second one. I love the third one, but the third one's a bit too long. If you haven't got a bloodlust for war, I can see why you wouldn't like the second movie. I, f I think it is a toss-up between one and two being the best ones. You, there's nothing wrong with the third. It is still a great movie, but the hard work's been done in the first two. And then... What the third one delivers is the payoff. You know, you've invested up until this point hours of your time. The third one doesn't fail to deliver the final chapter, but it just doesn't have the, it just yeah. doesn't have the legwork that the other two have. But I think the strongest ending is this one. I love the idea. So because I've told them separately, that's not what happens. The storyline crescends with Sam giving a speech about, you know, why we need to do the right thing, interspliced with fucking Gandalf showing up and, beating the bitch and also at the same time and then having a wash because he's on fire because he's just taken out yeah. broken it down it, to me he's got like a perfect ending I'm like yes Fan Raven does the right thing he's like fuck you mm. like sets up a third movie sets up a third movie mate I mean it's no it's no uh, it's no Dark Knight it, it's no yeah, <laughs> it's no Infinity War going into Endgame well that's true <laughs> but but it is a year wait to see the final uh, the final piece of the Lord of the Rings and you my friend are going to have to wait a little bit longer because it's time to play <laughs> nice. Lord of the Rings or Stuff for Your Bins. I'm it's, excited about this. It's true or false, <laughs> basically. I've got this. I've got I'm, this in the bag. I'm going to give you a name, something, and you just got to tell me if it's Lord of the Rings basic. Now, now this is this is where I'm going to infuriate most of them. I've taken stuff from extended universes. <sighs> so it's, Tolkien didn't say it. I'm not saying it's canon, so calm down. Remember. Be a be, Gandalf. Be a Gandalf. Don't be an orc. Right. Number one, Celebrimbor. That is, can that is real. That is something. That is Lord of the Rings. He basically is a master smith who helped create and forge some of the rings, but he's also a character in the Shadow of Mordor games, where he his role is greatly increased. But it's not canon. That's no. what's going to piss a lot of people. It's not canon. I mean. Not canon. But, I, but yeah. But no, he's Lord of the Rings. So you got it right. Yeah, so well yeah. done. Yeah. Um, bizarre. Oh, I think that is also. In the extended universe. It's not. Oh, it's crafty. an antidote for most poisons in the Harry Potter universe. So it does sound for me that way. Please, I've tricked you, mate. I'm tricking you. Um, Berenathor. Is in. He is. It's a character in the game Lord of the Rings, the third age. It's the first, um, it's the first game I played. It's console. Oh, it was PlayStation 2. It was like, um, like a role-playing game where you yeah. go back and forth. I'd like to point out, though, it's, it, the storyline was so shit. You were always about two hours behind the main story. So you, you fought, you fought the Balrog, but, but Gandalf had climbed back up. And so Gandalf was on your side, but after you kill it, it takes him back down. And like, when you get to the fight, you're just like, you're looking for Aragorn. He's spent the entire film just like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> just, you're just behind him each time, but you're still able to find him. Um, Orthanc. Orthanc. Mm. Orthanc sounds not 
real in the Lord of the Rings universe. It is. It is the so Saruman's tower is in Isengard, but it's the actual tower's name. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what it's called. That's what the tower's called. Yes. So this, so this is stuff as well. I should say that um, this isn't. This is like nerdy stuff. These aren't in the films. We're just having fun. No, yeah, we're just just trying to break it up. Yeah. Uh, Unknown actress Erin Brown was originally was originally the first choice to play Bilbo Baggins. Erin Brown. Uh, Yeah. Never heard of him. I'm worried that that's an anagram of something that I should know. Uh, So you don't think it is? No, it you are correct. Oh. Uh, she played Dildo Sackins <laughs> in, in Lord of the G String, the female ship of the string, <laughs> which obviously is my favorite name of, of a porn parody in the history of the world. Um, Elisa, Elisa, I know I, I've said this wrong as well. I'm gonna go that's that right. That sounds like that sounds like one of Miltwell things. That sounds like it could be the name of someone's sword. Yep, it sounds like it could be the potion that an elf gives you. Yep. It sounds like also something you say when you sneeze. So <laughs> True. I'm going with that it is in the universe. It is. It's Aragorn's name when he becomes king. So he becomes King Illithar. Does he? Is yeah. that in the film? No, none of this. Most of these aren't in the film because you've seen the film, so you'd get them. Yeah, but I'm wondering if I missed it. And also I'm no. wondering, that's really weird if you, you become a king and all of a sudden you're a different name. No, no, that happens. Like um, William the Conqueror's son, his actual name was Ralph, but he, it wasn't a King Ralph. <laughs> I don't think it was Ralph. I think it was like, it was something like, it was, yeah. a, it was a ridiculous name. Yeah. Uh, but no, you, when you, you can take a different name. That's hence why we'll never have a king. Oh, I know. Twat. <laughs> Anything of it. Why would you call your kid twat? <laughs> Anything other than Harry, Richard, or a, a biblical name. Snooky. Snooky is currently in I'm a Celeb Get Me Out of This. Oh, is he? Okay. I don't know. That's- it, well, yeah, because he's not real. Because he's a reality star, best known for Jersey Shore. Drew Dane. Oh, that's in. It is because Aragon's one. It's an early type of man, which I don't know, gives you long life or something. Anyway, did you know Aragon's like eighty-seven years old in Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah, he's, he's looking true. good. He moisturises. He is. Beren. Beren sounds like it could be a Hobbit. It could be Hobbit. So you going yes? I'm going yes. Mate, fucking you, right? Pull up your britches. Prepare for a story. Beren fell in love with a princess whose father sent Beren on a suicide mission, which Beren completed, but he also had his hand eaten by a giant wolf, died of his wounds, the princess he loved died of grief, and uh, the Lord of Death was so moved by this, he restored them both to life. True. <laughs> from, from the Sumerian. And also, apparently, when I was reading this on the internet, a lot of people angry, because that's not the full story, so don't get angry, please. <laughs> uh, Melkor. Oh, again, Melkor sounds like it could be real, because it could be like... Sounds like a Balrog style thing, but I'm going to... Oh, sorry. All right, uh, no, I'm going to go with yes then. <laughs> yes, uh, Melkor, he was Sauron's mentor and even bigger arsehole. So he's in the second age and he's basically, he looked like Sauron, looked like a bitch. Um, and his, he had like an epic storyline. And also his look is what Saruman looks like in Fellowship of the Ring when you first meet him in the prologue. That's actually what kind of Melkor looked like because Sauron isn't really depicted in his armour, so... What Malkor looks like is actually what Sauron looks like in the film. Did Malkor steal an egg? <laughs> Mortal Kombat reference. <laughs> yes, it is a Mortal Kombat reference. Sure. <laughs> Grendel. Oh, I'm I'm going to go with no, but I think that is real. I think you've done a Harry Potter thing again. No, it was Grendel's, yeah, I have. It Grendel's from Beowulf, which J.R.R. Tolkien translated and gave lectures on. He was a huge fan. Oh. There you go. So we're learning a bit more about uh, Grendel. Heartsbane. I've heard of Heartsbane. You have heard of Heartsbane. So I'm going to go with that. It, oh, but is it from a different franchise? 
Is it from Harry Potter? Oh, you tricky, tricky devil. I'm going to go with... It's in. It's not. You, oh. were, you were right, though. It is the sword that Sam steals from his father in Game of Thrones. Fucking. Um, and famously, J.R.R. Tolkien gave speeches on Game of Thrones and translated it into gibberish. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel auditioned for Aragon. That sounds like such a Vin Diesel thing to it's do. It's fucking true. <laughs> Wait, we are denied. There's an alternative reality, mate, where we have got that. Well, didn't he do that witch film? He did. Is that like did his you think his direct references like, <laughs> then get Lord of Rings, well, fuck you, I'm going to do this. I'll wear a wig and wield a sword. <laughs> what was that movie called? I, I can tell you what it was. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> was it like The Last Witch or something? Witch Hunter? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it does sound... Yeah. No, because one of them is a Nicolas Cage film, isn't it? With Ron Perlman. Oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, Figwit. Oh man, that sounds like that sounds like it could be a hobbit that owns the tavern. No, it sounds like it could be like you know the jester of the hobbit land. You you you're right, but it's not that. It's, it's Figwit was played by Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concord. Oh, and he has the line. He does. Figwit became a huge online champion, a huge uh, like grassroots campaign. So they, when he brought him back for the third film and gave him a line. Yeah. So and that's him because he was spotted in the first one, don't have any line. They were like, oh my God, they turned this character into this huge thing online. That was Figwit. That so was. There's a, and there's a self-referencing part in a lot of, in, um, in Flight of the Concords where he's watching it on telly. And then, ah. and then he kind of like look in a, and uh, yeah, and, and it kind of like just turns it off at his scene. Yeah, I did hear about that. Right, and the last one. The original ending of the film had Frodo sing and had Frodo sing to Gollum and the two danced, which would then randomly cause Gollum to slip and fall in the pit by mistake. And that's in the book, you're saying? That was the original ending of the film because it might have been in the book. That also sounds like a Leonard Nimoy song. <laughs> So I'm going to go, yes. It's not. The original ending was much darker. It had Frodo straight up murder Gollum. <laughs> there you go. That was wow. a, You did very well, mate. You did very well. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. You <laughs> learned something and it was a game. Yes, there you go. And it's going to be worth the pushback from the fans that quite clearly irritated I got those 15 statements wrong. And we both in both our little bits put a uh, parody porno <laughs> question in there. <laughs> I've got to admit though, that's fucking well. One of the characters' names originally in that point, when I was looking up on IMVD, which is, I've cleared my history because it was fucking <laughs> weird, was one of them was called, I assume it was an elf, it was called Benadryl. <laughs> I spent ages trying to get that fact into this. <laughs> um, right. Turn of the King. Released on 17th of December 2003. Return of the King didn't just get nominated for a host of awards. No. It, this mother went on to win them all, including all 11 it was nominated for at the Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, the best ones, basically. So 2001, 2002, 2003. So if we think about um, Lord of the Rings was nominated, but it lost to Beautiful Man. Mm -hmm. Now, Beautiful Man is a good movie. It is a good movie. It was also in the running with Moulin Rouge, Gosford Park, in the bedroom. Um <laughs> Lord of the Rings Two Towers, again, up against tough competition with The Pianist, The Hours, Gangs of New York, but Chicago won it. I know, that's weird, isn't it? And then when you look at 2003, this Lord is, of the Rings is... won it against uh, Master and Commander, Mystic River, yeah. Sea Biscuit, Hollywood Loves a Fucking Horse, and Lost in Translation, which I I am a, I love that movie. So I don't want to set on my style out too early. I think this is the weaker of the three, and that's not a deal. Yeah, not... I just I just think the other two should have won it for their years, but like fucking Chicago over the two times, I have a word. That is, that's but, the odd one, isn't it? But this over like, well, Mystic River. Mystic River is like a sensational film. Eh, 
It's, it's a weird one. Basically, this is seen as a fitting end to one of cinema's greatest trilogies of all time, holding 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Speak one bad word of this on the internet and you'll be murdered. <laughs> Dem's the truth. And you know what? We've had three different openings. We had the first one, you know, Sauron with his balls in your face, stabbing shit. In the second one, you have Gandalf getting his balls in the Barrow's face and stabbing shit. This one, having a fishing trip. And I remember in the cinema, the realisation of who that is. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, because I, I'd only known Andy Serkis really from um, that uh, Death Watch movie, the, the World War One horror. You've spoken about it before. Yeah, it was yeah. a nasty like horror movie, kind of B-movie thing. And, and that was the only thing. And he, he's particularly nasty, in it? He gets possessed. Um, <laughs> Everyone's got a death though. Yeah. <laughs> in real life. So, you know, in that scene, you know, I, I didn't straight away go, oh, Andy Serkis, he plays Gollum. That must be Gollum. So it must be Gollum. The re- reveal of him being Schmeagol is... It's very, it's very quaint. It's very, it's mm. like you, I don't know about you, but I was like, I'm in uh, Hobbiton. I was like, well, mm. I'm back in the Shire. What's going on? And then it's like, Schmeagol, meet his cousin, Deagle. Yeah, you're running out of names. <laughs> Just replace that S, put a D in it. So, Schmeagol's birthday, they're having a fish. Mm. Deagle finds the ring. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, then, you know, Schmeagol kills him. <laughs> so, straight up kills him. Straight because he starts off as a, let me have a look, tries to grab it, holds his hand away. No. And then it becomes a bit more violent, a bit too quickly, because the ring is like, the ring's supposed to work solely. The ring's like, no, straight up murder that prick. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go with you. <laughs> um, kills him. Then I think one of the most haunting transformation scenes, we see Gollum basically hiding away in the Misty Mountains. The ring starts to twist Schmeagol's mind and body till he becomes the creature that we later refer to as Gollum. But there's several stages where you see him no longer can be in the sun, direct sunlight, but the prosthetics on his face, mate. He looks he looks scarier during those phases than before he becomes Gollum. He looks yeah. fucking horrific. Yeah, he's like perishing, isn't he? Kind of, like, at one point, he looks like the emperor. Yeah, he's like <laughs> gammy and shit. He looks, he looks horrible. Gotta say, the makeup phenomenal mm. on the character there. Uh, Aragon, Gandalf, Legolas and Gimli travel to Isengard where they meet Treebeard and reunite with Merry and Pippin. You really should watch the extended version here to see Saruman who was cut from the theatrical cut. Um, it's just a really good scene. I'm sorry, mate. I keep going on oh, about yeah. it, but I apologise. I, I can visualise it. A Palantor catches the eye of Pippin, but Gandalf shuts that shit down. <laughs> yeah, that comes out nowhere, doesn't it? In the extended version, you, you see more about it. <laughs> so... Later on, they're all asleep, but Pippin steals the Palantor. But I'm going to say, Gandalf sleeping with his eyes over is the scariest shit. So <laughs> that's, that's fucking weird. Because I can no longer imagine Ian McKellen sleeping with his eyes closed. <laughs> so I, just that would terrify me. Like, that's, that's fucking hell. It's really weird acting, isn't it, with Ian McKellen? And I know there's that, like, you remember that really awesome scene in Extras where yes. he's like, so my process is, <laughs> it's just like, I'm Syrian, 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 action, wizard, you shall not pass. Syrian McKellen, Syrian McKellen. And, <laughs> like, imagine, can you imagine these thought and that? So, Ian, I want you to go to sleep with your eyes open. Got it. <laughs> fucking terrifying. Oh. Can you imagine if you just shared a room with him and you're like, fucking Close turn it. the other way. Close your fucking eyes, you prick. You'd make him sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like, put these on. But Ooh. I remember actually going back to your uh, uh, eyelids. <laughs> fucking love eyelids. I remember, I remember, it's been I remember, a while since you and I had a good conversation yeah. with eyelids. I remember the Invisible Man, part of his deterioration in, yeah. in mental health is because he can't sleep because his eyelids are see-through. Yeah, but what I don't understand about it is they, they give him glasses, mm. but they don't put anything on the other side of his head. <laughs> so when he closes his eyes, he can still fucking see. Because <laughs> that's how the body works. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
basically, uh, Gandalf then wakes up and proceeds to shut that shit down again. Um, based on Pippin's description, Gandalf realises that Minas Tirith is the next city on Sauron's bucket list of cities I'd like to fuck with. Mm. But also, Sauron, man, no, Sauron now believes that Pippin might hold the ring. This is where the story splits, like the last two, uh, like the last film, but this turns into kind of like four dis- distinct storylines. Let's hit it off. Denethor, father of the year to Boromir and Faramir, demands that Olis Gilith is taken back and sends Faramir to retake it with a small band of men. He's annoyed that Gandalf has shown up and is in just a big grumpy bum. <laughs> it's like, he's so annoyed about everything. It's like, he's like, shows up and goes, well, first of all, there's a death of my son. If you come to explain that, who's this? It's like, and then he's like, Oh, and Aragorn's come to steal me throne. He's like, all right, we get it, Denethor. You're annoyed. He has a great line as well later on, which is skipping to the end. But when he's trying to burn his alive son, and he's like, bring me oil and wood and marshmallows. Be quick. And a, and a, and a non-flammable robe. Actually, scratch that last bit. There's no way I'm going to sit on fire. Oh, so Gandalf uses Pippin to light some fire or signalling for aid, which also pisses Denethor off. <laughs> I like that scene. I like that scene. Um, Pippin enters the service of Denethor to pay back the steward of Gondor for the life of Boromir, because Boromir died for him. And then here comes this. Here comes like um, Pippin singing. Billy Boy does a very good, he's got a very good voice for this yeah. part. I don't know if he's vocalised. But again, it's it's the way it's edited, which is something Lord of the Rings, the film series does phenomenally, is he's singing a song, you know, that's about the Shire, Whereas Denethor eats grapes like a madman, not yeah. grapes, tomatoes. It's like there's there's uh, the sauce coming out of his mouth makes it look like blood, and it's like cut with scenes of Faramir with about three blokes going against an army of orcs who look genuinely surprised that there's people coming up like, eh? Mm. <laughs> that that whole that that I like I like how you now split Merry and Pippin as well. Mm. They're going to go on their own little adventures in the third movie. They do, they do. That's true. Um, oh, sorry. Gandalf returns, uh, sorry, Faramir returns, nearly dead and filled with arrows, and the army of the orcs follow, surrounding the Gondor capital, and they begin their siege. Gandalf takes up arms and prepares the army of men for war. Denethor picks up a parenting book and realises he loves both of his sons equally, but he's bereft of all hope, so he builds a pyre and decides to burn everyone. Yeah. Uh, Shire, surprise, <laughs> Pippin and Gandalf's horse <laughs> save the day. <laughs> In a scene that even in the extended version, it still doesn't make any sense, <laughs> is that Faramir's on there, on the pyre. <laughs> Pippin jumps in, rolls him off. Denethor jumps on the flames, also having just covered himself in oil. That's a bit weird. And then he starts to get off, but it doesn't matter because the horse somehow kicks in with editing despite the fact he's nowhere near him. I, I think like shadow special move. Mm. Knocks him in. The reason he's covered himself in oil is because he's breath of hope. He knows he's going to die. So he chooses to die with his sons being on flames. So that might be why he doesn't care that Faramir's alive. It's probably it less painful ways to do it though. But it doesn't explain why he's surprised when Faramir's alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, move on for a sec. While riding to Gondor's aid, the Rohan delegation stopped for a rest. Well, where were Gondor when? Resting. <laughs> Aragorn is visited by Elrond with news about his boring fucking daughter. <laughs> In a scene, which I'm fairly certain it was like, she's dying. I know. You've explained this to me in at least the last two movies several times. Doesn't matter. Shy surprise. He's got a sword up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole scene. That whole scene. So it starts, it starts with Vigo having a bad dream. Waking up. Waking up. Apparently he sleeps with a blade under his bed. That's very smart if, you, if you're if you Aragorn, I guess. It's tight security, mate. Yeah. 
but then that bit where he's like, oh, uh, oh my God, it's fancy seeing you here. It's like, yeah. I just yeah. had a dream about your daughter in a really weird way. Did you, have you brought like that army mm. like you did last time? Because that'd be awful. Yeah. No, 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 no. What's wrong with your leg? You, you can't bend your knees. You're hiding something. Sword. Very theatrical reveal. And it's lucky that no one else in the tent responds. <laughs> it's just like, Big sword. Big fucking sword. Big fucking sword. <laughs> um, it's it's the sword that chopped off Sam's fingers. It's the toenail clipper. It's the <laughs> yeah, reforged. Yeah, reforged, and it can do magic shit because that's how swords work when you reforge them. Anyway, come on, mate, stop being a grumpy bum. Um, you have to vamp for a sec because I accidentally touched it. Yeah, yep. um, that's how accidents happen. He also gives him the sword, the sword that chopped off Sam's. Elrond tells him that there are allies in the mountains, a cursed army of the dead that betrayed Isildur, that Aragorn could control, maybe. So during the night, he, Legolas, and Gimli sneak off. Well, they sound like a fine bunch of people to negotiate with. And also, May, <laughs> just like May, what are they? They're ghosts. Do they betray people? Yes. No, thanks. I'd rather stay here. <laughs> that scene is a bit weird. It's like, we're off. And everyone's like, oh, they're leaving. They're, they're cowards, or they don't think we're going to win. And like, it's like, no, they, they clearly got a plan. Leave them to it. The, I like the third movie. I like all the movies, but the whole like getting the ghost dead army, and I know it's probably in the source material and and, and what have you, but it it does become a bit samey. It's like we're outnumbered. Someone's got to turn up and help us and flank them, and and it just keeps happening. I was gonna say that's my problem with it. It's just like once you've outrun that, don't worry, another person's coming. And I would have liked it gotten to the point where literally fucking Rosie Cotton from The Shire showed up at the end. It's just like, fuck it, everyone else is showing up. It's like, oh my God, there's one orc too many. We won't, we'll we lose by one. Rosie Cotton it. fucking nailed it, mate. That's it, yeah. Um, Right, so I don't think you're loving this. I, no, I did enjoy it. I, to be honest, I watched I watched the third one not long back, actually, and I, I did enjoy it. Well, it might be a actual problem. It stems from here. Is the fact that so far during this storyline, we're with... Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and they do disappear now for the majority of the film. Mm. They only show up right at the end with a Deus Machina machine. I actually think that's really bad. Might follow the books, but at the same time, is I don't understand why this film is, you know, considered the best when the three main characters disappear for the main storyline. It's actually something I disagree with from a storytelling point because now we're with Mary and uh, oh, wait, uh, I can't remember that lady's name. Ewan, we'll go with it. Owen, the the basically the the best fighter in the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film. Uh, they go to, they want to fight, but they can't because one of them is small and the other one is a woman. But fuck that. And they dress up and sneak into battle anyway, which is badass. Sneak it. She's like, come with me. We'll, we'll kick ass and names. They've got a point. It's like, orcs don't care if you're a woman, a hobbit, a man, child. You fucking stand up, mate. Sorry, I'm getting a bit passionate here. I like those scenes. I think they work really well. So do I. They arrive just as the orcs break into Minas Tirith. So this is what you're talking about. So it looks like it's all over for Gondor, but Rohan show up. Theoden gives a speech about how they're all pretty going to die and then he just screams death as they charge. But I'll be honest, it's fucking epic and all they're doing is screaming the word death. And I'm like, fuck it. And this, yes. this bit looks brilliant because after they, it's, it's to and fro, winning, losing this fight. And when these guys ride in, they look like they're pushing the enemy back. Then when the elephant warriors come through, that's fucking cool. They charge and force back the orcs. Yay, they win. Or do they? Because next up is the elephants and they fucking ruin the horse lords of Rowan. Yeah. And they do. That's graphic, man. It's a brutal scene where elephants are literally just stomping on them. But do you know what? It doesn't matter because Aragorn is back. Mm. And this time he's with an army of dead which just kill everything because let's face it, they are ghost people and overpowered. It does feel a bit like cheating. That feels like you're playing someone with cheat codes. So now you see a fight scene. So now people are getting a scene. You get Legolas taking out an elephant. You get the counting scene which you had from Helm's Deep where they're going 
13, 14, you know, they're measuring the dust. You can see Aragon kicking ass taking arms. Carl um, Urban, mate, takes out like three elephants in one arrow. And that's that's what you want Carl Urban for. That's yeah. not that's not him, eh? That's Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah. Um but then I've got problem here. I just got his fight scene. I don't really understand why, because they're fucking ghost people. Let them do all the work. Why why are you just like, I'll have a tea? <laughs> Can't die twice. Go it's, on. It's a, you see them and they like swarm the villains. And I'm just thinking, what's the point? Don't save your energy. Mm. <laughs> Go have a brew. And the Witch King of Agmar, one of the Nazgul, because they don't really show up in a third film, shows up to kill King Theoden. Before he can deal the killing blow, a soldier gets in his way. You fool. No man can kill me. Shy of fucking surprise. The soldier removes the helmet. It's only Eowyn who stabs him in the face and cuddles her uncle as she passes. <laughs> I am no man. Fucking sword to the face. Although it's face to the face. He's pretty epic. Let's yeah. be honest, he's badass. I did like that scene as well. He's, he's, he's pretty cool. Extended version, mate. There's a bit more. Oh. <laughs> uh, the battle is over and everyone unites. Eowyn gets, uh, she basically, when she stabbed the, 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 the Nazgul, she's hurt herself. So this is in the extended scene. Um, she goes to hospital with Faramir and they instantly fall in love. Eowyn forgetting about Aragon immediately. The hospital? <laughs> well, Yeah. It's, it's kind of like there's got medic tent. They've got like clean bedding. <laughs> um, so that there you go, Faramir, get some. Oh, there you go. Where Boromir didn't, so he's better. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Mordor, Gollum secretly throws the food away and plants crumbs on Samwell, causing the two to break up and start seeing other people. No, I think Samwell's that hungry. Now, could you even got me saying it now? Samwell's that hungry. I, don't, I can't help it. He would have known them breadcrumbs that are right next to them choppers. <laughs> You know, I, I think it'd be great if he woke up sort of just ate them. <laughs> just oh, like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, if it did really get into Sam's head and he's like, you had it? No, I didn't. Or did I? But you, did I? I don't know. Anyway, he's gone now. Gollum takes Frodo. That, no, hold on. That is a bit, that's, that's a low blow. And it's like, look, mate, I've got a new mate now. I know you've helped me get like this far and we, we're literally on the doorstep. But jog on. What on does um, Samwise as well is... He says to folks, like, you look hot, let me take it for a while. But instead of coming across as nice, that comes across as him trying to seize control of the ring. Yeah. Photo's like, no. No, I, I see your game, mate. Yeah. And Gollum then perfectly in his ear says, that's what happened to me. Yeah, if you fucking shut that shit down. Mm. So, again, works. Heading now to the Lair of Shilop. Mate, this is one of the best scenes. I love the scene as well. Originally ends the second book. And when they go into Shilop's Lair, Sam Wise is with Frodo and this is one of the big changes which I prefer because I think you get the element of surprise now it's like it works better if he's alone instead of he's got friendship mm. if he goes in there alone it's scarier it's, it's so cool because the web bit is creepy because you know yeah. you see the webs you're like oh shit there's something in here then there's the bones there's all that kind of stuff there's the hanging uh, you know blood sucked out of the victims when then Frodo like falls back and he kind of gets in the web and it takes a moment but then you see it don't you you, you see, see shadow. it you see yeah. it and you're like, oh shit. And then when it moves, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I think a testament to filmmaking. I thought this bit was brilliant. In an epic scene, this is actually quite scary. Like this borders mm. on horror, you're that afraid. This links me back to like, say those kind of Jason and the Argonauts kind of films, you know, with the big creatures that for whatever reason are super sized and, and super dangerous. It's, uh, it's, it's on me. I love this scene. Gollum's plan is to steal the ring after Shelob has killed the Hobbit. But so that doesn't explain why Gollum then has a fight with Frodo, throws him down a ravine. It's like, I'm going to wait till you're dead. Nah, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, Shelob stabs Frodo and is about to devour him when Mr. PIMP gardener extraordinaire Samwise Gamgee shows up and sticks it to Shelob like he's a giant fucking shoe. 
Dest- <laughs> you my nan at Hoover. <laughs> Distraught that his friend is dead, Samuel has to hide as orcs appear. They talk and reveal that Frodo is paralysed and not dead, which was fucking lucky because he would have just left him. They take him to a tower and strip him down. Frodo awakens and realises they have the ring. So, so you know the... Just you can jump in there. These orcs yeah. that come along and they're like, oh, this is... this is He's not dead. He's just paralysed. Yeah, so and- one of the Uruk-hai doesn't understand what's happening and the orcs like, whoa, whoa, well, what, what she does is she stabs and paralyses him, keeps him fit later, you know, mm. after refrigerated. Yeah. <laughs> and sucks him dry. And it's just looking at Sam's there because he's like, fuck, so he's still alive then. But, but then if you're them other guys scavenging, you're like, but we're going to take it, which I wouldn't want to piss off the giant spider. Mm. I'd let him leave that mill there. The, my reasoning is I reckon they will go, because I don't really understand hobbits aren't well known. They'll go, what is this? And how did it get so close to Mordor? Mm. So they, the mindset is they take you back for a bit of interrogation to be like, mm, what's going on here? Oh, I thought they took you back purely to eat it, in which case like that is pretty bad. To be fair, that might happen as well. Because you're like, you see Mordor. You know where that's been. Mordor's a shithole. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you don't want to eat something that's been poisoned. No, that's a big true. spider. It's in a web. Oh, that's true. I never thought about that. They'd be like, well, if I eat this, will I also get paralysed? Or maybe that's why they'd let it marinate till the paralysing wears off. I'm just saying as well, when Elijah Wood comes out of the uh, cocoon and he's lost his top, that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, like, he's actually a bit weird. Stripped <laughs> and you also, there's this point you realise, Lord of the Outies as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the sickening thing, isn't it? <laughs> you get scared of normal belly button throw, don't you? freak. <laughs> um, right. Mr. P.I.M.P. shows up again, killing orcs like he's the fucking Terminator. Mate, and there's a great scene where they see him in a shadow. It looks like he's got eight arms mm. and he's got like the frying pans which look like dangerous weapons and he shows up and they laugh at him. Mate, you do not laugh at Sean Austin. He takes names. takes he, names on that stairwell. He does take names. He kills her. Frodo is upset that they have the ring but Sam reveals that he took it. Tense moment. He does return the ring. Yeah, he does He does hold back a minute though. But again, you've got to question, is it because he knows it's poisoning the mind of Frodo? Or is it because it's slowly getting into his mind? I don't think it's going into his mind. And the reason I think that, and this would be a good time to bring up, and I've brought it up earlier, is because Frodo's an adventurer. He wants to leave the Shire. You know, he's got Bilbo in him. However, Sam, Samwise never wants to leave. Mm. Samwise is happy to stay in the Shire and be with his wife. So it's like the ring can't do anything to him. The do, ring... you, do you not think Sam's had Bilbo in him as well? No, I think Bilbo definitely kept it in the family. <laughs> there you go. I made that sicker than you thought I could, didn't you? <laughs> um, right. So they, they're travelling across the last part of Mordor. Gandalf sends all surviving members of Team Man to the Black Gate, which I think is fucked up. Because if, you, if you're a man of Gondor, you'd be like, no. <laughs> can't we, F- fuck off. Can we keep two of them back? <laughs> yeah, you'd just, you'd just be like, right, so you have the army of the dead and you let them go. I saw you the other week. You had an army of trees. You let them go. At the Helm's Deep, you had fucking elves. And you let them go. Where's your horse? He's like, where is your, where's your staff? Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off, Gandalf. It's fine, because you can come back as Gandalf the fucking wizard. Yeah. I can't. When Bill dies, Bill stays in the fucking ground. <laughs> Fuck what's, off. what's Gary going to do? I was like, Fuck off. When you get there. Fuck off again. <laughs> just, I'd absolutely love to leave scene where it's just like, like, like someone comes out and goes, Gandalf reckons we're going to the black games. Well, Gandalf can go fuck himself. And then you saw Gandalf show up on his own. It's just like, oh. Well, just, just every time he dies, like Gandalf the green, Gandalf the blue, and Gandalf the pink. I, can, I really don't want to die for a while, boys. I do this for at least 30 more times. <laughs> then it gets really stenuous. It's like Gandalf the ultra pink. Gold. Oh. Gold Gandalf. You got to win him. Gandalf, or buy him. Gandalf the shiny, like a stick of fuck. <laughs> Um, 
Basically, the reason they've done this is to drive all the orcs out of Mordor, get the Eye of Sauron on them, making it easier for Frodo and Sam to cross the land to Mount Doom. Brilliant. When they get to Mount Doom, Gollum attacks, Frodo runs into the chamber, but he can't throw the ring away. Epic music here, by the way. I, I, so I like the eye bit as well, because it does capture Frodo. And he, yeah. and he does it's like, oh, no. And he, like, and he kind of swoons. But then at that exact moment, you're right. Like the, the fucking good guys turn up and it distracts it. I, that seems really cool. And the reason why some would think that is that they announced that as Aragon. So mm. Aragon was obviously the Isidore's heir. So he's like, maybe he has the ring. So, you know, it's possible that maybe he's coming because he thinks the ring is like... Either way, Sauron thinks he's getting his ring soon. Mm. So he's fucking... <laughs> and again, Sauron's like, send everyone that way. Yeah. Don't leave anyone back. I've got this. <laughs> Just, I will, I will... I've got this. I've got this with my eye. Uh, yeah. I, I can't even blink. So <laughs> nothing gets past me. Basically, so Frodo runs in the chamber, but he can't throw the ring away. He puts it on. And then this is my favourite bit. Sauron realises he done fucked off mm. because his eye looks off and he's like, Oh, bollocks. It's, 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 it's the same look that Gandalf gives when he goes when the door breaks and he's like, I was not expecting that. I was expecting four of those. And it's like, it's like Sauron's like, I've shit the bed. <laughs> so he turns around, he's like, ah, bollocks. Who let him in? I just love that scene because it's an eye. It's got no expression, but even I can tell it, it done fucked yeah. up. Uh, epic fight. Gollum can somehow see him when he's invisible. A brutal fight scene with nothing bites his finger off. He's so animalistic now. He, he Gollum just needs it. He's been two movies now, three movies without the ring. He just needs to feel that dollar dollar on him. Mm. Visceral. Frodo kind of fights back with him. They kind of like, and I'll be honest, I really like this fight scene because it's a, it's pushing. It's like one o'clock in the morning outside a pub. Two people think I'm just pushing. He's going to fucking do you, yeah. dickhead. They're just pushing, desperate, not fighting, kind of like grasping at the ring. Gollum steps push each other they fall and they fall and they fall Gollum's finally got the ring in his hand but it doesn't matter because he's fucking covered in love <laughs> the ring he's, he's about to terminate two of this bitch <laughs> the ring remains floating in the lava Frodo hanging off the edge but it doesn't matter because Frodo's got that one thing that we all need in our mm. lives Samwise there you go I got it right this time <laughs> got a Samwise to pull him up and do you know what, mate? They're going to die, but they're going to die as friends. Mm. And then, well, basically, Sauron explodes and it sends an earthquake which swallows all the orcs up, which to me seems a little rude because it's almost as if the orcs didn't ask for that. They were like, okay. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I was born into this. Class divide. The end of the film. Well, that's not, we still got like 40 minutes left. He awakens in Minas Tirith. Oh, sorry. No, shit. I apologize. Um, the eagles show up, save them from the sides. Now, I imagine it was hot where they were. They were hot. Because when you were covered around molten lava, mm. slowly seeping past the rock that you're sunbathing on. Mm. I, I would imagine that they would they would anakin by Yeah, <laughs> they, they, would, would, they would have anakin yeah. <laughs> um, No, I think, it's, I think he's perfectly fine. It's, it's fucking many. What I love about it is that they seem pretty content on that rock, which, which should be smothered in lava. I do like the idea as well that, that when the ring is destroyed in a volcano, the volcano is like, it's explosive, like, mm. Jesus. Like the power can't be contained. Um, I really like that the eagles show up and grasp them. I've absolutely loved it more if they accidentally drop one of them. Yeah. Just, just like drop Sam. It's like, shit. I like how there's three eagles as well, as if to say, because if Gollum was there, they would have had to have brought him back. Yes, which is cool. Um, it has the three. Um, they awaken in Minas Tirith and everyone is reunited. Aragorn is, ground, is crowned king, marries Arwen. 
luckily she's not in it that much for the third film. The Hobbits Return Home. With that, that, sorry, that bit as well, when Aragon gets crowned, it breaks out into song. Does break out into song. Not like Billy Boyd, though, where you get to hear a lot of it. It's like, he does the first two lines, it's like, stop singing. <laughs> but he does then deliver, you bow to no one. It's a pretty good ending. Like, the smallest creature, the highest honour. Yeah. Like, the high city. Literally, the minister is fucking huge. <laughs> I, I, at that point, I was like, I was taken back by that bit. I loved that scene. I thought, I thought, you know, the journey's come to an end. Felt like hard work paid off. And that line, I think, just sums up everything of those four characters. It's brilliant. Brilliant little ending. Turn home with gold and jewels and whatnot. And the, and the, the, the grateful, you know, the great the gratitude of Middle Earth, I would like to say, which is the most point. But weirdly, is what I love about this is they go to, they go to the Shire where they don't, the outside world, they don't care. No. So it's like these four her heroes have done something that we will never the, see yeah, again. The, yeah. But they're like, oh, I don't give a shit. But they also don't believe it's, it's you know, mm. Bilbo is as tall tales. You know, it's, um, I, I think also here's where we get a good spin off because there's a couple of years that pass before the next scene. Mm. There should have been a part where, you know, because they're, they're all sat in the tavern having a beer afterwards and mm. they're all looking like disheveled and they're not, they don't get the hero's welcome, I think, that they thought they were going to get. It should have gone down a tangent of a life of crime. <laughs> where the hobbits just resorted to like having to get their kicks. Maybe one of them starts heroin, James. I don't know. <laughs> it should have gone to dark Maybe that's how you get Cracker into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just love the Laura loved this because um, Sam basically gets up the courage. He marries Rose Cotton. He has loads of kids. That's his real daughter as well. But what I love about this, what I absolutely, that's really cool. What I adore about this is the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. Lord of the Rings, plucking up the courage to ask a girl to dance. It's like, it's like, I can take out all of this. You know, Sam, Samwise does so much. It's like, oh, I'm not going to ask her. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's, it's really sweet. I like it. Eventually, Gandalf and the remaining elves decide to leave Middle-earth for the undying lands. So they all go to say goodbye. Bilbo is given a special treat because there's a ring bearer and friend. He's also... Uh, and technically ring bearers are also allowed to go. So Bilbo, at very old age, and what I really like about this is we didn't talk about the Fellowship of the Ring is he's really old, but the ring keeps him quite youthful. Mm. And as soon as he doesn't have it, the next time you see him, he's old. Yeah. And now when you see him, he's fucking ancient. Um, and then Shire Surprise, the last Shire Surprise, Frodo is going with them because of the pain that he got on Weathertop and Fellowship of the Ring. And also the pain of carrying the ring for so long and its destruction has taken its mental toll on him. So they must say goodbye. And that's how the film ends. And Sam goes back. Bag End is his now. That doesn't really come up in the films. <laughs> but Bag End's like a huge deal in the books. It's like it's like a pimp palace. Everyone wants yeah. it. Um, and he carries on writing. So there's this brilliant book that's got The Hobbit in it and Lord of the Rings. There and back again. A Hobbit's Tale. And do you know what, mate? Finn. It's a good ending. He's a good ending. Do you good know what? Ending. I remember watching the cinema and getting really bored of it. Like thinking it took too long. Watching the extended version, mate. I, I wanted more. This is this is weird because before we start recording, I was, I was telling you that when I watched it the first time, I thought Bilbo and Frodo had to leave because they were a connection to Sauron, and Sauron could come back as long as they were, you know, like a little bit of fear or like or, Harry Potter horror cooks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably the better way of saying it. So I thought he was being banished, or like it's his decision, but it's not really. He has to go. So this is where. This is where some of the listeners are definitely going to know more than me because I've only got a passing knowledge of the books and outside. I've read the books. I quite like the books. I've read some of the other things like Sumerian, but I haven't gone into like the deep essays that have been written. Mm. My understanding is it's a privilege. It's, they go to the elf's land, which is also the spirits because Gandalf isn't actually a human. He's a god spirit in meat form. <laughs> My understanding is 
is no one but elves or spirits go to this place. Yeah. But because the bearing the ring is such a responsibility that you get rewarded with this like heavenly land. And that's why they go because they which have it. Much better end. Which is why yeah. Frodo which is why Frodo goes because Frodo can't escape the ring, but the ring's not there anymore, so he's just been tormented by something. He cannot, he cannot find peace is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Which I really love that. Like, he's haunted, but Bilbo, mate, looks like he's having a fucking great time. It's like, he reckon he's like at strip bars and he's like, yeah, fucking love it. Like, and he gives, I think the best passing line is, is Ian Home and his like, uh, very aged makeup. And he just says, did you have that ring? Mm, I just it, want to see it one more time. Because remember one thing, Bilbo's, Bilbo never knew what it was. Mm. He never got told. I was like, oh, it was the one ring and he had it for so long in his possession. I really liked that idea that like, he had it for so long, but because he was such good natured, he never really cared what it was. He just needed it. And there's something about he was, he got the ring out of pity, which is maybe why the ring couldn't work on him. Like Gollum killed, Schmeagol killed his cousin uh, to get the ring. But Bilbo never killed Gollum. He let him live. And so it was kind of pity. So the ring was like, oh, I can't do anything with this guy. You know, he's funky. Anyway, there's loads of essays about it. I think it's really fascinating that you can read into so much. So I just love it. I just think it's a really good ending. Now, as a teenager, I hated this. It's just like, just end. What a mm. wizard fight. <laughs> But no, now I'm a bit more mature. What a great ending. Yeah. And he's a good film. Yeah. And it sweeps back in with that, um, that script, that score, you know, everything that kind of makes it go full circle. The end of the quest. So, uh, so The Hobbit, three films uh, in the first, no, sorry, I'm not going to do them now, but <laughs> yes, please did don't. you read in what, just as a quick, because mm. I've not, never read all the rings. We actually, we record this podcast in my like front room <laughs> with an, you always sit next to my bookcase. Yeah. And I always think, how are Lord of the Rings not on there? I've never read it. I've read The Hobbit, mm. but I've never seen The Hobbit films. That's one of my confessions. I've seen the first one, I think. I went to cinema to watch it. I've can, never seen two or three. So I own them on Blu-ray. I don't own the extended mm. versions. All right. Um, I don't really like them, to be honest. I don't think they're very good. So the, the first one with Martin Freeman, and I, I thought that was pretty good. I, I think Martin Freeman's good, but my problem is, is right, so it, it can be summed up for me in one sentence, is the dwarfs want this, it's their birthright, they want this thing that happens. And there's a scene that happens towards the end of the first film where they go to a door and they go out and lock it and they immediately give up straight away. They're like, right, fuck it, let's go. And I'm just like, but you've been searching for 13 years. Wouldn't you like to stick around and just be like, I don't know, try and open the fucking door? Mm. It really irritates me. I, I, I remember at the end of the first movie thinking, fuck, they're dragging this out. Yeah, they did. Because it's one, it's a, it's a film. Yeah. But which, which is the same, like when I watched American Gods, that first season, and like that season ends where like chapter four of the book, I was like, shit, good. this is going to take ages. So I kind of gave up on it. Well, um, so Peter Jackson didn't want to make this film. Originally, but, uh, not Benicio Del Toro, Gilmero Del Toro was signed on, but mm. he had some sort of dispute with New Line Cinema. They didn't want him to make it anymore. So Peter Jackson felt obligated to his friend to mm. come and make the series. It's the same when it should have been different. I think some of the casting's great, but when you hear about the story, so there's a famous uh, scene on YouTube. When Ian McKellen was filming Lord of the Rings, he had people around him, majority of the time, that were also playing humans, so they're the same size. But he spends like two of the three films in the company of dwarves or hobbits, and he films on his own. Mm -hmm. And he films against uh, pictures. He cries. He like breaks down in one of the scenes, he tears, because like, I can't act against anything. I'm, I'm on my own, I'm isolated. And I just thought... It put a sour note before I'd even seen the films. When I saw this clip from crying, I was like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. And there was quite a few, you know, Sylvester McCoy was in it, wasn't there? Yeah. As a character that's- crying it. Yep. Yeah. He plays the, uh, fucking, who's that British actor who's in everything? Benedict Cumberbatch plays two roles in it. He voices it's, Schmaug and yeah. he voices the, ne the necromancer. The necromancer is Sauron. Right, yeah. Before you realise he's Sauron. I, I, need to, I need to 
watch or uh, reread all them. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm in no rush. I'd like, if we're ever going to do them, I'd like to leave it a bit. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not rush into it because it's oh. Christmas next. Yeah, it is. Which leads us to next week's show, which is going to be the A to Z of Christmas. We are returning to the well that never runs dry, and that is our A to Z episode. So we've done this with vehicles, we've done this with actors, actresses. How do we do it with vehicles? <clears throat> we haven't done it with vehicles. No, we do. We, we should do it with vehicles. We probably should, actually. X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> but we have done A to Z. So, you know, A, kind of a sign of film, a scene, an actor, or whatever, Christmas oriented. So it's normally a really good, fun, not looking at any single one film, just looking at tropes, traits, um, actors, storylines, scenes that are you know synonymous with us and christmas but following the alphabet so it should be a pretty good episode well we hope week. so and yeah. you know what? it was really fun doing lord of rings guys i hope you really listened i really you hope you will oh you are hope you enjoyed listening um and talk listen to us talk about what two and a half hours i imagine two hours 40 coming up yeah so nearly well, as long as one of the movies not the, not the extended cut. <laughs> <laughs> jokes write themselves don't they? if yeah. you'd like to write song it writes jokes for the show yeah um, send them in on a used napkin <laughs> and in crayon uh, no, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I've I've enjoyed really nerding out these last few weeks because I we were originally going to do this episode a few weeks ago when we announced we were going to, and then it was like, oh, it's a twenty year anniversary. Uh, twenty year anniversary. We should wait. I did rewatch them in that time. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I, I rewatched the third one. So I've, I, it's really weird. In the last like three weeks, I've watched them all and the third one twice. Yeah. Because I I couldn't remember anything in the third one. I was like, but I've just watched it. And I couldn't remember <laughs> it. Um. But yeah, and such is life and time and work and children and stuff like. That. But um. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. And and I think, you know, if we had done this too soon, like in the first 100 podcasts, we would missed a lot. Yeah. We felt, we felt like we needed to get there. We needed to go on a journey, like some sort of fellowship. Yes. Uh, that's our show. <laughs> so if I don't see you later, don't forget to subscribe, like, review. Oh, Vault. Oh, easy. Oh, Vault, eat or three, yeah. Vault. Yeah, if we find any movies on our quest... Because, you know, Lord of the Rings are on a quest, but they're not on this quest, are they? The no, this is the most important quest. Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings, they have to fucking watch Click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the one quest to rule them all, is the Sorry I'm a Seat quest to find the greatest movies of all time. If we find them, we put them in our vault. And Lord of the Rings, the full trilogy, is 100% going in the vault. That's our show for this week. If I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. Frodo Baggins is my name, and this is Samwise Gamgee. Your bodyguard? Is Gardner. <laughs>